This week on Invasion of the Podcast, hey, Warner Brothers, give me $90 million and I'll make a movie nobody sees to. We dig into the singular nightmare vision that is Phil Tippett's Mad God. And we celebrate Steve's favorite holiday, National IPA Day. We bring you this special radio television broadcast in order to give you the very latest information on an amazing phenomenon. The arrival of a spaceship. Just a minute, ladies and gentlemen, I think something is happening. Flying saucers have invaded our planet. People of the attention. It's the invasion of the podcast. The whole world is under attack. Can it survive? And welcome to Invasion of the Podcast, where we try to take over the world one listener at a time. My name is Paul, and I forgot to introduce Steve. My God, today's just a train wreck, and Steve's out there somewhere, too. <laughs> no, I, I was paused because I was like, he he normally says, and, you know, off in the land of, you know, wherever yeah. is Steve. And I completely, and I dropped I the ball. one-man show tonight. Yeah, this is, this is, uh, this is going to be a nightmare. Anyway, so yeah, uh, sorry, there's Steve, he's there. Hello, everyone. Yes. Okay. So, all right. We're going to get into uh, Phil Tippett's Mag God later. And I think that, um, I think that is a, us picking this movie to talk about, man, I just, the the technical difficulties we've had tonight. I think, uh, I think the internet's the mad God. I think the Skype is the, the, the mad God that we're dealing with right now. It's like, we've been struggling for like the past hour or so, like to get this thing put together. And, um, we're old men that don't understand technology, and here we are. So uh, buckle it, everybody. This one's going to be uh, probably a little bit more loopy than usual. A little bit more. That's that's saying something. Yes. Yeah, we're going to increase the loopiness by like 10%. All right, but uh, before we jump into, you know, weekend talk, which I really don't have any, uh, or, you know, the main feature, uh, I want to bring up the game real quick. Okay. So... Um, you know, I'm not getting crazy. Like, you know, my favorite still is like the peanut butter stout. I think it's a stout, but the peanut butter chocolate, like, I can't remember now. It's in a silverish can. No, you, no, that's neither here nor there. Okay. Cause I think you like, um, I, I think that was the sweet baby Jesus. That's from uh Duke law. I think you like that. Yes. Yeah. Baby Jesus. Thank you. Well, you would think I would remember a name like that, but apparently I don't. Uh, but, uh, with that in mind, uh, I went shopping yesterday because my wife is, uh, to fill up on lots of bad decisions. Um, a beer that's called zombie dust. Have you ever heard of zombie dust? Paul? Yeah, it's from uh, three Floyd's. It's, it's an IPA. Um, I, a lot of people like it. I, I, you know, we'll get to our IPA, um, likes and dislikes, but I'm aware of zombie dust. Okay. So. Funny thing, I looked on the side of it and it just said pale ale. And I was like, no, oh, you know what? Whenever there's, you know, we go to a place where they're, they're like, we don't have any domestics, you know, but I have this blah, blah, blah. Usually if it's a pale ale, I'll be like, fine, I'll drink that. Here's how stupid I am. I don't know why. I don't know why I never, like, figured out that uh, pale ale is actually part of IPA. Don't know why. I, I, I'm going to admit it. I'm not even going to try to lie about it. Like I wanted to be clever about it and be like, Oh, I real I realized that that was what that was. No, never did. So 
Um, and this is not me saying that I'm suddenly going to love IPAs, but I just somehow didn't connect the two. So right now, live, live on audio, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm going to open a can of zombie dust and try it and see what I think. All right, she's opened. I'm taking a swig. <laughs> it's it, but it does taste like grass. <laughs> like, did you ever get beat up? Being bit, being being beaten up by your older brother and having grass shoved in your mouth. Yep. Well, that's. I mean, but yeah. these were expensive, so I'm gonna finish them. Yep. Um, the three Floyd stuff always confounds me because they have the coolest looking names and labels. Like one was called Laser Snake. Yeah, it just that's a cool sounding name for a beer, and it's an IPA. But not not all pale ales are IPAs, right? So like, Rolling Rock's a pale ale. So like, you know, and I, I know. I mean, that's I'm not saying that's a high class beer. But there's something involving the hops that make it in India pale ale. So, but we'll get into like my game later is celebrating IPA day, which I know clearly by your love of zombie dust that you'll be all about this. So I'll be excited when we get there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to play the game. I'm excited to get through this episode. Just to <laughs> stuff more about IPAs. Yeah. Um, so speaking of beer, uh, so, uh, I got, I gotta just be angry right now. And, and, um, that went to the grocery store today and of course it being August 4th, there's Halloween beers already there. So as much as this disgusts me, as much as I, you know, Halloween has its place in time, it's still summer, but people are always going to argue with me about this. Um, I ended up buying some Franklin Castle from uh, Market Garden, and it is a pumpkin spice ale, and it is delicious, and it is uh, 7.7%, so it's going to haunt me again later, but as much as I despise that we're getting Halloween beers, I'm a whore, and I bought some Halloween beers. Uh, On the subject of summer, Paul, did you happen to step outside at all yesterday? Did you, uh, you leave the house yesterday? Let me think. Um, to take out the trash. That, uh, that's all I did. Okay. And were you a hot, sweaty mess by the end of it? Because it was like... You mean like personally? A ridiculous amount of humidity. I'm always a hot mess personally, regardless Absolutely. of the heat outside. Um, I, it was, you know, I was okay. Cause I was only outside for a couple seconds. And then I, you know, I got to go live my rich person existence back in my air conditioning in my house. Yeah. You know, I, I, I gotta say that as somebody who, you know, took his groceries to his car, his car, uh, and is not in well, good shape, miserable yesterday. And maybe that's the thing. Maybe, maybe people who, Summer are in shape. Maybe I'm the <laughs> walk out the door. It's always like a punch in the face. It's like 85 degrees degrees out and 100 percent humidity. Go out and play, kids. It's fun. Yeah, well, no, it's it's fair, but like I'm still going to be a summer guy. I don't care. Like it's just, especially now that I could be like I'm just going to go hide in my house with the air conditioner, like because we, we have central air, so I can hide there, right? So you know, but um, I don't know. Just I. The, I still prefer this over winter. I, I despise winter for a lot of reasons. Uh, like I think I, I think you saw that I recently shared that article on um, like my Facebook about 
I forget the name of the actual disorder, but there, there are a lot of people out there. Brain that elves. Have, yeah. Uh, I, you know, like I, like people self-diagnose all the time, but I have it. And so the winter, it, it just like, I can't tell you how many times I wake up in the morning, come into my office, start my day. And then my fingers go numb and they start swelling and hurting. So yeah, bring on the summer, you know? So like, you know, it still happens to me in the summer if I happen to like handle anything cold for an extended period of time, but I can walk outside and not worry about like swelling up even more. So like I become like this grosser version of Veruca salt sometimes in the winter. Um, and it hurts, you know, so that woe is me. I'd rather stay indoors and have it be sun signing out than be terrified to walk outside to my car and be like, all right, this is going to hurt, you know? Yeah. I feel like that walking outside to my car in summer. So, you know, I don't, I mean, I'm no bloatier than normal. But, uh, <laughs> like it even affects like, like my, my, my cheeks and like my forehead sometimes. And it's like, and it hits like, it's just, I don't know. It's, um, I feel like, I, I feel like, um, do you, do you remember, um, oh, what was the name of those puppets? What was it? Uh, the puppets from the land of confusion video, uh, the, the, you know, the, um, the Genesis video with all the gross, uh, puppets that were, um, I forget the name of the company that did it. The but, land of confusion puppets. Yeah. Um, I feel like that sometimes I feel like it's the distorted, even grosser version of me where I'm like, like, you know, like it's like, Paul, why did you get all that Botox shoved in your face? I'm like, I didn't, it's just cold, you know, like, so yeah, <laughs> just, I understand. Like I, I, I know everybody is like, I love fall. I'm like, you love two weeks of fall before it betrays yeah, there's, you. There's nothing. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, there's nothing quite like stepping outside in the morning. Like, oh, I just got out of the shower because everything's sticking to me. And I feel like I've just come out of the shower and I can't tell off. Well, okay, then, so you're, then you're not taking a hot enough shower. Because if you do, then you get that brief moment of like, oh, I feel magnificent before you start sweating again. Like, it's like if I could... Like that's the moment that you're like all is well in the world. You know, I guess I guess we'll have. I mean, I shower, uh, no, at least in this new house with no cold water. Uh, it's just the the hot water turned on. So I don't know that I can get it any hotter. Um, maybe that's just my house. Well, maybe that's just me. Have you have you considered boiling a lot of water that you just like you know bring it in with you and just dump it on you? I don't. That's not a good thing to say to people. No. Like, I don't know, our, our water heater that we just replaced this thing. It, it is like, I think it's like powered by like Satan's butthole. The, the hot water that come out of this thing is crazy. And it is, uh, it's dangerous, but like, I like riding that edge. Like, I'm like, is this when I die? I don't know, but it could just be a little bit hotter. You know, like I'm, I, my wife cannot understand why I love hot showers, no matter what time of year it is. Like if, if, if a layer of skin's not coming off, you're not doing it right. All right, yeah, I'm also picturing you like sitting on the porch. Well, I guess technically it's you know you don't, you don't want to sit out on the porch in the winter, but in the the summer, you know, sitting out on the porch drinking like a you know a large cup of hot chocolate and just being like, mm, this is the life. I mean, I, I well, that's funny too. Like, I wouldn't do I wouldn't do hot chocolate. That that sounds gross in terms of like being hot. But regardless of what time of year it is, I do prefer hot coffee. Like, I don't know about you, like in terms of, well, I mean, in terms of beverages, I, like, I don't prefer coffee at all. Well, I, I, yeah, that's why I, I was couching that because I realized you don't like coffee, but I'm saying like, um, for me, it's like whenever we, we go to Dunkin', it's like my wife always just gives like an iced coffee during the summer. I'm like, nope, make it like piping hot and put some espresso in there. And I don't know, like just 
I don't know. Like I don't mind hot beverages during the summer, but like chocolate just sounds like it would just get like messy. And I don't know about that, but in terms of like the heat, yeah, I'm not great with it either, but especially now that we have a house of central air, because before that you, you remember you would come over to our old place and there's times we like, we would keep the fan off in my office, quote unquote office, the closet that we recorded in just for audio. And you and I would just be like these like drenched bitches the entire time talking. And it was like, you know, it was getting real sloshy in there. Um, so yeah, I'm not a fan of heat. I'm just saying I prefer it versus the cold. We'll agree to disagree. Cause, uh, I, I, while I don't love winter, I will definitely take it over summer uh, at this point any day because it's always miserable. Okay, well, I'm sorry that you're wrong. No, but, <laughs> but no, what's frustrating to me is like, like, and again, I know that I've, I've beaten this dead horse until it's become glue and then uh, over and over again where like everyone that's now, it's like, it's August, it's Halloween time. I'm like, just, just shut your shut your mouth, just shut it. You know, like, but it's the same people that it's like, ooh, it's September, it's Christmas time. Just shut your goddamn mouth. It isn't like there's people in October being like, ooh, it's New Year's Eve time. Ooh, it's Valentine's Day time. Just, just settle down. Just a smidge. Please and thank you. You know, like, everything has its place in time. Can we just enjoy, you know, can we enjoy the majesty that is mosquitoes and humidity before we get into the fall weather? Yes, and I, I look forward to battling those in a couple of weeks with you at your your uh, uh, old-timey event that you have coming up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I mean, we'll have a bunch of bug spray. It's fine. Even though we're going to be playing, you know, the old-time fancy sport of croquet because I've now... I've now aged into that person where I'm like, you know, what's the best way to spend a day at a park running around like an idiot and dying or just whack, just standing over a ball and whacking it a little bit and pretending that you're sporting. I'm at that age now. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think I'm going to dress the part. I'm going to try and find. You know, some authentic cricket gear. I don't know what that really is. Cricket gear? Oh, I'm sorry, not cricket. No, please show, <laughs> sh- please show up in a full, okay. like, <laughs> like <laughs> you're going to dress up in a full cricket gear with a paddle. I'm like, this is not the right sport, Steve. That'd be amazing. Um, yeah. <laughs> or maybe I'll just, you know, I'll go and I'll just show up in wrestling gear. There you go. I remember three the, years ago. Yeah. The, like the second one I did, this is before I met you. One of my friends at the time thought it'd be really funny to show up in his karate, gi, but it was like black. And then like about two minutes in, he's like, I regret this decision. Like it wasn't even like a martial arts theme. It was just a silly thing. He just showed up and it's like, Oh, not only did you pick a thick fabric, you picked black and the sun. <laughs> like, No, the croquet party is going to be fun. We already have two sets of, of you know, cro- croquets, whatever. And I don't know. I don't know how I want to dress up because like, I don't want to go super fancy because one, it's going to be hot. And two, it's like, I like, I, I'm like, I'm debating about buying like the, uh, the tuxedo shirt. Maybe that might be fancy. I don't know. Um, or just like trying to like cobble together some like really shitty steampunk kind of gear and argue that's exactly a pro area appropriate. Like, you know, I don't know. We'll see, but I don't, it's going to be fun. Cause I think, I think croquet is that fun thing that everybody can play in trash talk and not really be good at. So I think that's the fun part of it. Right. So here's hoping it's going to be fun. Yeah. I I'm looking forward to it. So, uh, I'll be there and I'll try not to complain about the heat. Okay. Well, can you bring another puppy this time? Like you did a couple years ago, like just go get another puppy. It's fine. Well, 
Well, I'll just I'll just bring the two that I already did. Um, so, okay, enough about the summer talk, enough about beers. I mean, you know, welcome to the show. Um, so you said you didn't have much that you got into the weekend. Was there anything that you did over the weekend? Uh, no, no. I, the only thing that I wanted to make was uh, something that we were talking uh, uh, actually making a main topic on the show. Um, there's a documentary. It's, it's less than an hour long on HBO Max. Uh, um, about uh, milestone comics for those of you guys who don't know who who I shouldn't say who one or uh, they were a um, company that was started in the very 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 early 90s um, and it was uh, some black comics were like there isn't enough representation for us in comics and decided to uh, put together their and I did not I knew that it, and I'm going to step back here. The, the documentary is called Milestone Generations, um, and uh, I did not know their affiliation with uh, DC Comics. I didn't know that DC Comics was actually working with them throughout the entire process. I just knew that they were acquired at one point by uh, by DC Comics. But uh, it's a, a fascinating documentary. Um, I would I would recommend it. But there is also uh, an episode of. Uh, AMC had a show that was put together about comics, not comic book men. Um, but, uh, it was put together by, uh, the creator of the walking dead, whose name I'm blanking on right now. Um, Robert Kirkman, Robert Kirkman. Where's it? Kurtzman, uh, Kirkman, Kirkman, right? No, it's Kirkman. You're right. Um, and he had a, a, a show, I think it was like Comic Book Secrets or something along those lines. I'm, I'm looking it up now because it's been a while since I've watched it. But they did an, an entire episode. Uh, uh, I, God, I, it was either during COVID or maybe even uh, uh, previous to, to COVID. Um, and Milestone was, and it was a long foreign documentary where it was like an hour episodes. Like it was a Comics, and I, I, I actually feel like that might have been um, a little stronger than this documentary. But if you're somebody who has HBO Max and just doesn't know anything about some comics, I would highly recommend it. Um, the thing that probably came up people are most familiar with would be because um, uh, uh, there was a cartoon made out of stat- static, uh, and it was titled a uh, uh, shock. Um, and just to correct myself, the uh, series that was on AMC uh, was called Robert Kirkman's Secret History of Comics. Uh, and uh, there's an episode that's all about Milestone Comics. Uh, I just wanted to make mention of it. I think that if you are somebody who has a passing interest in comics, and if you're listening to the show, I'm guessing you probably do, uh, I would highly recommend checking out the uh, documentary on HBO Max, which is Milestone, Milestone Generations. Uh, I would also then uh, recommend checking out Robert Kirkman's Secret History of Comics. Okay, so that's the one thing you got into. Um, nothing else. So I, I got into a lot of stuff that was older and not really worthy of bringing up because I was working throughout the weekend. So. Okay, fair enough. Uh, well, speaking of a little older, the one thing um, the one thing I did get to. <clears throat> Was I did finish? I think I mentioned this uh, last week or the week before. I had gotten to um, the final season of Brooklyn Nine Nine, and I finally finished that. I know that's like what a year and a half old now, uh, but I know that you and your wife have tried to start that a couple of times, have not gotten all the way through it. I it just it was wonderful. 
and it actually wrapped up nicely. Uh, the last episode wasn't a tearjerker because you expect finals, right? To always be a thing. And there's a little bit of emotion there, but they, they just kept, they kept the fun rolling and they gave everybody good landing points character wise. And it was just a delightful series from start to finish. And I'm glad that I got around to finishing it. Yeah, I, it's, we need to go back to, uh, and I have been working on this other project that I'm working on right now for a while. So like our time watching TV together has diminished quite a bit. Um, and there have been a t- couple things that I've tried to start while I'm working. And I just realized that I can't, I, it, it's best for me to work with something that I know and love in the background, or I shouldn't even say know and love that I am familiar with. At least like I can throw law and order on in the background while I'm working and, you know, not blink twice, but it's, you know, it's something that's on in the background. So, um, I did try um, to watch Mad uh, our, our pre- feature presentation, Mad God, tonight while it was working. And I was like, uh, I can't. I got to pay attention to this. 100%. I can't. <laughs> I can't be working and have this on while I'm working. So, um, with that in mind, like Kathy and I's TV time has been significantly reduced because I I work in my office and and uh, she. Uh, I think the only thing that we're currently watching together right now is the new season of what we do in the shadows started. So, uh, we're watching that. But, uh, other than that, as far as like taking in new material, no, but I, I would like to, uh, um, get back to Brooklyn nine, nine at some point. And right now is the perfect time because it's summer. I mean, I guess there isn't really seasons technically in the sense of like, Oh, it's the new, ABC new fall lineup. Let's check out what's on there. But it's still one of those things that, uh, you know, it's still, uh, we try to find when we do try to find shows together, it's usually based around like whatever's, you know, coming out at the time. Um, and I just want to go back cause I'm spinning my wheels. Uh, it looks like the, uh, secret history. Robert Kirkman was actually started in 2000, uh, 17. So it's older than I thought it was, uh, because I'm an old man at this point. Uh, um, but, uh, uh, and time is just a, uh, is just a, a concept at this point. Uh, I guess it's always been a concept, but, uh, <laughs> uh I just want to mention that, uh, that, that episode of the show about, um, my awesome was called the, the color of comics and it debuted, uh, December 4th, 2017. So, uh, I'm just going to stop talking about that now. Cause I'm like, Oh, I had this stuck in the back of my brain. I should actually give the information now. But, uh, you were saying, <laughs> uh, no, no, not at all. I just, I Brooklyn nine, nine was a delight. And I know you have been fans. Uh, you, both of you have been fans of the Michael Schur produced, uh, comedies. I mean, of course, like the American office parks and rec, which I adore and the good place, which is like one of my favorite shows of all time, Brooklyn nine, nine, just it, it has that same kind of chemistry of where it's like, oh my gosh, you you love all these people and you want them all, even when they're fighting amongst each other. It's like you care about all of them, and just some of the complexity, especially uh, Andre Brower's character of Captain Holt, the way he develops over the course of the series, like he's one of the greatest characters of all like TV sitcoms, and they gave him some wonderful things to do in this last season. Like everybody had wonderful things. It's like um, what's her name? Uh, Stephanie Beatriz. Um, she, um, 
She's really, really good. And she, uh, people might know her as the lead person in Encanto and to be like, wait, like she's bubbly and upbeat in that movie. And then she's like this, like hard ass character named Rosa that actually likes everybody. It's like, yeah, I just, it's also one of those shows. Like it, you, you could speak to this too. Like I, I know that Mary and I are, are behind on what we do in the shadows, but we've loved every episode and there's multiple times per episode that we laugh out loud. That's not always true of everything that I watch. Brooklyn nine, nine always has moments that catch me off guard. And I find myself laughing at every episode. And I think that's a hallmark of a good, a well-written show. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's plenty of you watch and maybe there's a, uh, you know, a, what's the word I'm looking for here? I, not a subtle humor, but a, like a, a comedy where you're like, Hmm, that's funny, you know, as opposed to like bust out into like full laughter. Um, so I, I, I totally agree with you on that. Uh, I think for us, uh, you know, Parks and Rec, uh, The Good Place and Superstore are probably the shows that uh, uh, that we've delved into that did that. And uh, um, we need to and it's not that I say that we we need to give it another chance. It's just that we need to actually like sit down, focus, and be like, okay, let's actually watch this and not get distracted by the shiny thing that's coming out. Fair enough. So, so yeah, the other thing I just want to mention briefly is because I woke up, for whatever reason, I woke up at like 7 in the morning on Sunday. And I'm like, and it was one of those things I knew I'd go back to sleep later. But I'm like, I'm awake now, so what am I going to do? So I just wandered downstairs. And I had, since I have my uh, Peacock subscription active right now, I ended up watching um, the WWE SummerSlam that was the night before. And the nice thing about this is that that whole thing was three and a half hours. I could fast forward it. So I actually got through the whole program pretty damn quickly. Like relatively speaking, it, w- it was a solid show. Like once they, and I'm like, they have their padding and they show their previously on wrestling videos, but the, the matches were all pretty good. And it was like, a, like it was one of those things like, Oh, I watched a pay-per-view in the morning and I still have my whole day left in front of me versus I wasted my whole night waiting all for all these videos and the wrestling to happen. So, um, I know Steve that you aren't as, um, hip to the newer wrestling stuff and I don't blame you, but that might be my recommendation. Like wait until the day after, and then you could fast forward through shit and it's a way more enjoyable process. Well, maybe, you know, this weekend, maybe I will go through and, and, you know, watch SummerSlam that way. Yeah. I just, I don't know, man. Like I know you may not be as familiar uh, with some of the names, but there's some really good matches. Like the one that opened up the show was uh, Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch. That thing was a barn burner. That was great. Um, surprisingly, I hate to admit this Logan Paul and his second match, his second wrestling match versus him and the Miz was actually pretty surprisingly good. I just, as much as like Logan Paul, you're like, I don't want to cheer for this guy, but it's like, he's got, he's figured it out. Like, it's just, yeah, there, there's some, he could move. And you're like, all right, well, I guess, I guess I got to cheer for this guy. Cause he actually kind of gets it, but there's some other, there's some other stuff in there too. And then the main event, uh, which I have my own qualms about does get really, really crazy that I think you'd at least, I think you'd appreciate that it goes to like attitude level era of crazy with what happens in like towards the end of the match. That's all I'll say. If you don't like, yeah, it's Brock Lesnar, Roman reigns. They, they escalate to the point of like, well, that was really stupid, but kind of fun. Okay. <laughs> Did Vince McMahon come out and, you know, do a, uh, you know, uh, a final bow or anything like oh, that? Oh, no, he already, he was already out of the company. He already was. At, yeah, no. Oh. 
no, 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 no. He, once he resigned, that was it. And you can feel triple H kind of putting his fingerprints on the show. So, I mean, it was a good show. It's just that because it's a, a premium live event, cause they don't call them pay-per-views anymore. There's a little bit of bloat cause you want to like hype up what's coming next. And you, you play the video packages cause people may not be familiar with like the rivalry going on. Um, but there's some decisions that he was making that you could see that it's like, well, all right, we're going to do some of these things now. And it's like, but the card was pretty solid all the way through for, for WWE here. Like, let's put it this way. Like I, there wasn't a bad match and like, you know, I was entertained and it kept my interest and I'm just hoping that it's all, like, it's nowhere to go, but up from here. That's what I'll say. All right. I don't know if I can bring myself to watch a Vince McMahon free, uh, you know, okay. WWE. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no, but there were, there was some good shit in there. So that's all. Again, you want to talk about something you can put on the background while you're working. That, that might be the, like, you know, that might be the kind of the fun thing to put on. Cause you'll be like, Oh, I'm here. People react to something. What's going on. Oh, I can go back down to work, you know, <laughs> like, you know, like, um, so, so yeah, that, anyway, that was, that was my weekend was Brooklyn nine, nine and wrestling. And then oh, also I got, I got to tell you, I, um, I, you know, me with my, with my baking and my cooking, I, um, I tried to make some calzones over the weekend and I think they turned out quite nicely. So you missed out. I'm sorry. I wasn't there for it. <laughs> so I um, went to go buy the ingredients for the calzones. I'm like, one of the things was like pizza dough. I'm like, well, that's easy to go find. The grocery store had zero pizza dough. I'm like, how? I was like, what? Like, <laughs> it Wait, was like, are you telling me you can actually buy like pizza dough? Like, I know you can buy like the bobbly or bobbly or whatever. Like the, the Michael Buble pizza dough. Yes. Yeah. No, no, no. The, uh, you know, <laughs> that are already cooked. You can buy like just the crust. Well, like Pillsbury has like, you can roll them out. You know, you can buy a little yeah, tube and roll really it up. Consider that pizza dough. I feel like that's just you know, it's a, it's another uh, you know fancy term for croissant. I, I well, guess I guess that's that's funny you say that because I ended up using um, like croissant dough versus like you know like you know how you, you use the tube and it's like oh it's already perforated and whatever. I found unperforated croissant um, dough that I used, so the thing got real puffy and flaky. So it was still pretty good, but I'm like I'm looking around and I, like there's literally all this like missing. And I was, just, I was like, thanks Biden. Like, There's no pizza dough here. I'm kidding. I know that's not like really. <laughs> yeah. Cause of him, we can't have pizza dough, but I'm just like, what happened where there's a run on pizza dough? But yeah. <laughs> did you take a little sticker of Joe Biden? Yeah, I did, that. <laughs> I did that. And you put it next to the. Yeah. Like I also want to go, I should go over to like, um, like the encore dinners that are still there. And it's like the seven pounds of like, uh, like Salisbury steak and be like, I did that and just put the sticker up with that too. And be like, Oh, okay. Thanks. Thanks for bringing us all that Salisbury steak. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> like Mountain Dew Baja blast. I did that. I'm like, all right, well, you know, like just, okay, cool. Thank you. You know, whatever. Uh, but yeah, I was just, I was mystified. I was like all the ingredients to find. I'm like, pizza dough is missing anyway. So yeah, I, um, my first crack at calzones turned out pretty good, but it's like, I want to actually use like, like the dough that's intended, but I did use a crescent roll dough and it turned out pretty good, but you missed out. You weren't around. You missed, you missed the calzone party. Yeah. So this might be why I'm not a good uh, chef or cook. Um, I don't want to do the extra work. Like <laughs> even <laughs> you're like, listen, I've heard that you could have pizza in the morning, pizza in the evening, 
and pizza at supper time. And when pizza's frozen in a bagel form, I don't have to do any work. That that's, <laughs> that's very fair. Um, no, like, okay. So, you know, they have those like chef Boyardee kits that are like, Oh, you know, make your own pizza at home. Those types of things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm always like, Oh, that sounds like a good idea. And then I have to do it. And then I'm like, I don't want to do this. It seems like a lot of work. So you're like, I'm just going to eat this raw dough and to see what happens. It's fine. Um, so I will say that no, I had no, bought. You, know, you got to bake your dough. Oh, that's true. I forgot. Like I used to have those growing up. We would make those and, and like the little the little pepperonis that would like they would turn like not inside out, but they would look like those little those toys that you put on the tabletop that you press down and they would pop up. Like those pepperonis, you know what I'm talking yeah. about? Like they, they became like little half circles. You're like, why is pepperoni doing this? This doesn't make any sense. But yeah, no, we would do those. We would have the Chef Boyardee pizzas. Um, no, for me, it's like one, I, I don't mind. I, like, I want to see what I can do. And two, I listen to podcasts and that's fine while I'm making it. Um, but I will say though, I bought four rolls of the, the, the uh, Crescent Roll dough. And while I was making them, I had to make them in like sequence because I couldn't put them all in the oven at the same time. As I'm like working in the kitchen, there was the fourth roll that was near the oven and I heard, boom, I'm like, what just happened? And like the top <laughs> shot off of the last roll and the dough was just coming out of it. I'm like, I'm not ready for you yet. It was like, you know, me trying to put like this, like ropey, like penile looking thing back in the can. It's like, like it got really erotic really fast. And I don't know how I felt about that. Um, yeah. <laughs> It was it was very much a MythBusters thing going on. It was uh, it was funny, but also uh, disturbing and very horny. See, when you said that it was uh, very horny, and uh, you said it's a MythBusters thing, I immediately thought you were going to say it was an American Pie thing. And I was like, <laughs> well, no, because well, they did they did a myth where like if somebody like about like somebody thinking they got shot in the back of the head, but it turned out that they had had one of those like. Um, like a dough canister in their back seat that fired off and the top hit them in the back of the head. And then when they reached back, they thought they felt brain matter and it was dough and they turned out, they actually proved that it could happen. So oh my God, cause they thought they were just shot in the head. It's like, ah, what's sticky. And they, uh, they freaked out. It's like, nah, it's just dough, you know? So, so imagine that, but like in a kitchen, but also like way sexier. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I don't know. <laughs> So, so yeah, that was my, uh, Ohio humidity. No, that was in my kitchen. That was with the air conditioning on. That wasn't the, do not, do not make, do not blame the summer. This is not, this is not a sexy side effect of summer. It's a sexy side effect of me baking. There's a difference there. Understand. All right. (laughs) All right. Anyway, that was, that was my weekend. Let me, let me reiterate, uh, Brooklyn nine, nine wrestling and then, um, wrestling with dough in the kitchen. I don't know. Anyway. So, all right. And then you said you, uh, you watched the, the, the comics thing that people should check out that you said is on HBO max. Uh, might forgive me. What was the name of the documentary again? Milestones generations. It's like 54 minutes. It's not even an hour. Um, I just think if you have an interest in comics, uh, it, it, it doesn't hurt to, uh, to check it out. So awesome. Uh, yeah, I should, I just, I did not get to it cause I was too busy, uh, wrestling with dough in the kitchen. I don't know what that means. All right, let's, let's just get to some news. Good news, everyone. 
and not so much good news, but since uh, here's what's going on here is that um, it looks like since the was it Discovery and Warner Brothers have been combining in like a company, and now they're like, we only need three companies in the world to make things, and this is one of those mergers. Um, some there's been some fallout with some of the DC projects, and the Batgirl movie was complete and in post production, and the powers that be now said, nah, we're not going to release it, and. The reason for this is they feel that it wasn't up to par. And then also Hollywood bookkeeping, it's it, it, they will benefit more from writing it off than releasing it. So this is weird. Writing it off is, is interesting. And I don't pretend to be a businessman. I don't pretend to understand the dynamics of that world, but you know, I just, I don't understand. I guess in some ways, yes, there's probably a way for a giant corporation to be like, we spent $90 million. Let's somehow make this work for us favorably, you know, within the structure of taxation. But I don't quite understand how that works. But I also don't understand the fact that, you know, they dump money into a lot of other things and how this is just being shelved. Like, I, I understand that, you know, they feel like it's lesser money. They didn't spend, you know, $200 million on it to, you know, put it out there and have it look like, uh, I don't know. I was trying to think of something comparable, but like, I understand that it was a lower budget film, which is crazy. I think if you went to any filmmaker today working and was like, here's $70 million a movie jumping up. And I, I think unless it's Spielberg or, you know, yeah, probably gonna be like I get seventy. Yeah. Um, I mean, compared to like we were talking about, like, here nor there. yeah, no, we were talking about like with Carpenter getting Go some on. of these weird like some of these like middling budgets of like twenty thirty million. You're like, I understand you got to adjust for inflation, but it's like, yeah, somebody's like, oh, like oh, we're giving you seventy million to make a movie. People will be like, thank you. Like so, yeah, it's weird. You're right. And I I don't understand the yeah. and, and I I I started writing a post on Facebook. And then I stopped because I was like, well, you don't have the full fact story. It was the day that it broke. And I'm, like, I'm just going to leave this out. But there, there were a couple of things that, that occurred to me. One is just that, uh, you know, there seemed to be this idea that somehow it was going to hurt their brand, which I'm just like, I don't know what your brand is at this point. <laughs> Marvel specifically has a brand, you know, uh, Warner Brothers with their DC films has this is what we're doing today and we're hoping it makes money, you know, like I, I don't know if, if, if this story had been, the flash has been shelved. I'd have been like, well, that makes complete sense, you know, particularly because, and again, I'm, I don't pretend to be an expert on the, the, the issues that are happening with Ezra Miller, but everything that I've read so far, I'm like, hmm, this is really bad. I don't know that I would release a giant blockbuster movie with that actor anytime soon like i don't know when you release that movie and I, I said it last week i think uh a movie that also is reintroducing one of your legacy actors as a very big character within the film uh and i don't know why i'm dancing around it you're reintroducing michael keaton as batman like you're kind of selling two things with that you're like oh here's a flash movie that uh even if it's really good, it's going to be tainted by Ezra Miller, and it's also going to ruin the reintroduction of Michael Keaton as Batman. So if this story had been about the Flash, I would have totally understood. We're going to, you know, eat the money on this, hope that taxes or whatever, tax write-offs, uh, save us. 
because there's just not a market for this and it's going to hurt our image. The the thing that I would say is, is that like, what, okay, is it, you know, the Snyder Cut? You know, does it all need like bots in its favor right now? Like launching campaigns? Are we going to get Batgirl like five years from now because, you know, uh, enough people were able to complain about it on the internet? And by complain, I mean bully. Uh, so uh, I don't know. The, the thing that occurred to me is that there seems to be like, oh, it's it's a movie about a young girl who is uh, of not Caucasian descent or ethnicity uh, who becomes a superhero and is, you know, in this case was supposed to be guided by the Michael Keaton Batman. Uh, so maybe one of her icons is there somebody who's like, oh, well, Captain or Miss Marvel didn't do good. Uh, maybe we need to pull this completely. Like, I'm really hoping that's not the case um, because, you know, Marvel is still from everything I can see is still very much behind both, you know, Ms. Marvel, the show, the character, and then her returning in the Marvels, her being a big piece of the MCU coming forward, which I really hope because that show if you guys listen to that episode, like I was almost in tears at one point because I loved it that much. So I'm, I'm, I'm really hoping that it isn't just somebody being like, you know, well, it, it, it stars a Brown girl who uh, becomes a superhero. It might not do well. And I know that's me putting a lot of shit onto this in the sense of like reading into a situation, but I'm really hoping that's not the case. And I agree with you. And to know that the people that directed that film also were people that directed episodes of Ms. Marvel. So I hope that's not, the case because that would be <laughs> very frustrating and if this becomes an issue of hollywood like bookkeeping like you know i sure but at the same time i don't understand if you already have something already done and it did go a little bit above budget not well you, you're like 70 to 90 million whatever like <sighs> this is all fake money for us anyway fake numbers um it <laughs> It almost feels like since there's the new guard coming in to Warner Brothers and Discovery that they almost want to be like, we didn't approve this. We're just going to shelve it and take the the, the hit versus um, uh, and we understand that like the Justice League, the Snyder Cut didn't pull in the numbers streaming wise that they hoped. However, the goodwill of the Batman did really well for Warner Brothers and on HBO Max. I don't see why you can't have this finished and put it out there. And even if it isn't perfect, um, you know, let, let the, let the audience decide, you know, like you already have it out there and it's like, it's just content added. And if you put it exclusive for you, I mean, okay, maybe, maybe you won't be like, Oh, we need to expect this number of subscriptions. Well, maybe that's not the case, but you're building a portfolio. You're building things to like this. This isn't Halle Berry as Catwoman. It cannot be that bad. Right. And you're also, I don't know. Like it just, it seems weird to me that you, you have a completed film and you're like, well, we're just going to change course. And if it wasn't up to our quality, uh, okay, well then what was your quality? Like the, the powers that became before you greenlit a lot of shit that actually, uh, like, is this as bad as green lantern? I, I'm going to, I'm going to put money down. It probably isn't, you know, like by money, I mean like $5. I don't know how much the difference would be, but I, I don't know. It's just, it's weird to me that it's like, you're going to, whenever you're losing ground daily to Marvel and what they're doing um, right now, if you want to course correct and say, we have a 10 year plan, which good luck with that. 
uh, especially when you greenlit Joker part two, you know, more sad people being angry about shit and you're good with that movie. Right. Um, like I, I'd say put a lot more, you know, feathers in your, in your hat and at least have like, I know they're saying we're going to do uh, quality versus quantity. Cool. You already have this though. So it, put it out there. Like, I don't see how, I don't see what the negative of is it other than people being like, Oh, it's not a perfect movie. And then people bitching about it. Cool. People are going to bitch regardless of what you put out. And then let's let, let the viewers find the movie. And ultimately, if they say it's a failure, that's fine. But I, I guess I'm talking in circles, but it's like, it's already done. Like, why not just put it out? Cause if it was halfway through production, you pull the cord. Cool. But you're done with it. So what's the harm? I really don't see the harm in it. I do also wonder, you know, because some of the reports I read, too, was that they didn't want to put more money into the project as well. And there's a part of me that wonders, like, okay, are very, uh, you know, with the exception of the Batmobile, the Batcave and things like that, you're probably not going that heavy or even things that you can't just, you know, put on screen at a smaller price. Like, for instance... Uh, uh, I thought Daredevil and Batman as being, you know, similar in the sense that they're both guys who live in a city and are just out there trying to, you know, protect protect the streets. It sounds cheesy when I say it that way, but like they're vigilantes, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think the 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 eighteen episode uh, season of Daredevil that we're gonna get is gonna cost you know seventy million dollars for eighteen episodes? No. Like, I guarantee you they're not getting that kind of a budget. So, like, I, I just I can't help but wonder, like, if if it is more money to finish and they're like, oh, well, we don't want to dump more money into this. And we're just going to write it off. Like, what was in that movie then? Like, you know, <laughs> I, that's, uh, you know, that's a lot of money to suddenly be like, yeah, we, we can't finish it. It makes me think of the um, uh, Fallout Boy slash. Uh, um, uh, oh, I was going to say Up and Adam, but that's not his name. Um, uh, radioactive, a radioactive man, man. Yeah, yeah, yes. Of uh, the Simpsons, like, did they just go to town and like, did they film Batgirl in uh, you know Springfield, and they were zapped of money by the town being greedy? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> the, no, I just think like it, it just almost feels like you know they didn't get their return on investment with the Snyder Cut, which you know, fair enough. They, you know, it's like they they released that movie twice and it underperformed twice. Congratulations, it's Morbin time. Um, you know, I also like that Sony's like we'll release anything. It's fine. Can we can we tie Batgirl into Spider Man somehow? We'll release it. Please give it to us. We'll take the hit. I'm waiting for that to happen. I'm kidding. I know that won't happen. What if we call her? What if we call her Venom Girl? Can we release that now too? Thank you. Um, you know, so it's just, I don't know. Like it's just weird. Um, they like the new ownership. The powers that be have pretty much axed a lot of the Arrowverse on the the CW uh, going forward. So things are changing, whatever. And it's like, if they have to kind of, I feel like there's a scorched earth thing, but like, I also feel like DC as a media outlet in terms of like a portfolio, it's always been a little all over the place because, um, and we've talked about this before. It's just that they see what Marvel has done, uh, you know, good and bad, but they've had success by aligning everything that they're like, we want that now. It's like, are you going to put the work in? No, we want it now. 
and they're trying it again. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'll just say, you know, if we take Batman completely out of the equation, not in regards to Batgirl, but just Batman as a whole for DC's last, I, I keep I keep conflating the two, DC and Warner's. They are essentially the same thing. But um, if you look at Warner's attempts of making DC films in the last 20 years, if we take Batman out of the equation, what are their hits? You know, uh, and, and yeah. I'm not even talking about financially, I guess, you know, the ones that I think work the best, um, you know, Aquaman is just OK. It was it was fun and uh, fun, but forgettable might be uh, the best way of describing it. Like it, it wasn't a movie that moved the needle for me in any way. Shazam, a lot of fun. Actually kind of looking forward to Shazam, too. But again, it's not one that I'm like, it, it's it's. It's not on par as far as uh, I don't mean to say on par. It, it's not like Marvel where you I don't know. I have a much more. Um, and then their other big success is the Suicide Squad, not Suicide Squad. No, a Suicide Squad, the James Gunn film and Peacemaker. Those are the only two things I can think of that have resonated with me a lot. Actionized. Well, even the Suicide Squad aren't on their TV side. Yeah, the, the the Suicide Squad didn't perform well at the box office, though it did kind of you know help set the stage for Peacemaker, which became like like I, I think it came out of the gate swinging and such a good hit. The only other film I'll say from the DC stuff that I think actually rose up to the occasion was the first Wonder Woman. I think that did really really well for for them, and it made me hopeful for what was coming next. And then we got Wonder Woman eighty four. And then, uh, yeah, but the first Wonder Woman is like that, that feels like that was a flagship that they could have like, like kept going with. And I thought that was solid. Completely omitted Wonder Woman because I did really, really enjoy that first film. 84, not so much. Maybe mm-hmm. if I had seen the other 82 movies between the two, <laughs> I'd be there. But, uh, no, uh, that, that's a good call, though. I didn't I didn't consider Wonder Woman and I that's a oversight on, on my behalf but there still isn't a cohesive cohesiveness there and i know that at one point they were like well we're just going to play that up we're going to make a batman movie that's not connected you know the the matt reeves batman we're going to make the joker movie where it's like is it it's like an elseworlds you know it's it's not the joker you know and and that's fine you know i i don't i don't dislike that approach but in a world where those things get to exist i don't understand why batgirl doesn't yeah, that's what I'm saying. And also, you mentioned like removing Batman from the equation. So we had what was it, the four or five seasons of Gotham, right on Fox, and then we got what two two seasons of Batwoman on the CW. It's like like they keep wanting to have their cake and eat it too, where it's like, hey guys, remember Batman? But what if we do something different? And then this time they're like, hey, what if we do something different where Batman's actually in it? You can't see it. It's like, all right, well, as as a fan. How could you be excited for anything? Because there's no guarantee of anything coming to fruition. You know, the things that they did have success with was, you know, what kicks off the Arrowverse is is Arrow. And uh, don't get me wrong, I'm a DC guy, and I, you know, you know, but you're you're not going to find people who are immediately like in Arrow. They were like get into popular television show and then build a universe around it. That's really impressive. Yeah. And it is kind of weird to me that they're like, we're going to close this book. Get kind of big at one point, you know, I, I'll admit that. Um, 
where it was literally like, why is half CW shows all DC related? Um, not necessarily a bad thing, but it didn't speak well for producing. I don't know. I just the Warner's decisions always baffle me. And I guess the only other movie that I can, I can bring up and it's kind of tainted uh, by two people um, is Superman returns, which is a movie that I actually really like. I understood people's problems with it because it was very much a love letter to Donner's Superman. And there's no real, you know, we're in 2006 now and we can do amazing special effects and, and put Superman in these crazy thing you know doing these crazy things and it's very much like you know an updated version of him saving the helicopter where he saves a space shuttle and uh you know his villain is still lex luthor um i really enjoyed that movie but it's it's not what what the overreaction was which is the next film man of steel where it's like do you want explosions how about 20 minutes of it um (laughs) i think that was the tagline i think it was you know yeah, but I, I try not to lump Superman Returns in there because it is a movie that I watch, and and it's been a very long time now since I've rewatched it. But it's like it's directed by by Brian Singer, and it stars Kevin Spacey, which again I'm like oh, I really liked Kevin Spacey as Spacey as Lex Luthor. Shit, <laughs> I was waiting for you to be like this bothers me by two people, James Marsden. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> His his roles in the Sonic movie have tainted this movie for me. I can't consider it. Yeah, you know, it, it's funny, too, because uh, Brandon Routh, who plays Superman in the film, also gets to go on, and uh, he plays the Atom in the Arrowverse, but when they do their big Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover, I think two, three years ago, he comes in and he plays the Kingdom Come Superman, which is a comic that I dearly love. It's probably in my top five uh, comics of all time, uh, and... I love that version of Superman. So he got to play that character twice. And honestly, if they were like, we're going to make a new, you know, we're going to make a live version. This is where their strategy of like anything goes with uh, Warner Brothers uh, and DC properties goes. They were like, we're going to make a big budget movie of of Kingdom Come and we're going to have Brandon Routh as as Superman. I would be on board for that. But um, it's, it's yeah. Superman Returns is a movie that I do really like. But I, I don't revisit very much, so I leave it out of the conversation most of the time. <laughs> well, maybe we should revisit that. Maybe we should uh, get some buddies on because I know we have other friends that are big Superman fans uh, to talk about that. Because I've seen that movie once; it was in the theater, and I have a story to tell about that, like after the theater experience. Is it a sexy story? No, it's, it, it involves me and some dough. No, uh, no, it's um actually uh, here. I'll tell it to you right now. Just like so. Watch the movie with some friends, right? And then, so the bit where, like, we, like, like that kid might be Clark's or not. Like, you know, it's like, oh, it's ambiguous. It's not ambiguous. And then the bit, whatever, um, what was it? Um, the kid, like, reacts and just, like, that grand piano goes flying across the room and breaks. Um, after me and the, our company were watching the movie, driving home, the one girl in the car says, I, unironically, she's like, oh, what would she say exactly? She's like, oh, um, and it was just so like, well, how'd she say it? Um, like, 
it was so unexpected to see like like that piano go flying across the room or something to that effect where she didn't realize that was Superman's kid. And she said it was like, so like, I, you know, I don't know how to describe it. I forget how she's like, it was subtle. She's like, it was subtle how Superman's kid, how he threw that piano across the room, subtle and a piano crashing against a wall are not two things I'd put in the same sentence. And she called it subtle. And I'm just sitting in the backseat, trying not to say anything. I look over at my friend and he's like biting his lip and he just touches my knee of like, just let it go. Just let it be. Just let it exist. It's just so subtle that that piano went flying across the room. <laughs> That's that. She Sorry. Did t- something, it, it she took, did something big. Yeah. It took me a second to put that back together. Cause I remember just being like, it was, it, that was the joke going forward that we'd say amongst ourselves. Like, yeah, it was as subtle as a piano flying across the room. Like, no, that's not, <laughs> that's the exact opposite of that phrasing. <laughs> you know, like, no, 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 no. It wasn't subtle at all. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, but yeah, we should revisit uh, Superman Returns because I think there's some good in there. Not, not not some good. I think it's actually a pretty competently made movie. And I I liked it. It's just, I think it played a little safe, but we'll, we'll, we could talk about it. We could revisit it. I think it'd be wonderful to do so. I mean, all things considered, right? Asterix. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I would be, I think that would be a fun roundtable discussion. So maybe we can do that. Yeah. So we'll consider that. So, all right. So DC's going to DC, Warner Brothers is going to Warner Brother, whatever. Um, we'll talk about what's coming next when they get there, right? So next story I have here is one that Steve is not familiar with, but I'm excited for. This comes courtesy of Bloody Disgusting. The Devil in the White City. Uh, Keanu Reeves is starring in a serial killer series from Martin Scorsese. So Hulu is actually producing this. Um, it's going to be a limited series based upon the Eric Larson. Not that Eric Larson. It's a different Eric Larson, Steve, just so you know. Like, it's easy to get them confused because one's an author and the other one makes the savage dragon. It's almost, they're almost the same person. Um, this book that uh, I, I like, I like the one who makes savage dragon. Yeah. Well, Eric Larson's actually like, I've read the majority of his books and by like by read, I mean, audiobooks. Like I just, I adore, like he's, he writes a lot of historical nonfiction, meaning he does a shit ton of research and writes these books that are like period specific, but he gets into like the zeitgeist of the moment and like, he always finds these interesting, like parallels, right? So like, um, the one, like the, like devil in the white city is amazing. I'll tell you what it is in a second, but there's one called, uh, was a dead wake that talks about the sinking of the Lusitania about like, but it follows, so I'm hitting my microphone. So I'm so emotional. It, it follows all the different things that went into like why the Lusitania was there at that place in time. And there was also a German U boat that was nearby. And it follows like from all the research, he gets into like the mindset of the people in the U boat and like Germany's like political, like, like where they are at that time politically and the U S's reaction and like how, and then also he has even diaries and communications of people on the Lusitania and like how it was just this like one, um, how do I describe it? there was a lot of, like a lot of decisions that were made to lead to the sinking of the ship, like inadvertent and like had the ship even turned a couple of degrees either way. Uh, it, the, the torpedo that hit it would not have been as devastating, but it, it's an amazing read. Uh, but the book, uh, the devil in the white city tells two stories. One is, um, the race to create the Chicago's world fair of 1893 and how one of the, like the main architects, uh, Daniel H. Burnham 
was trying to put this together in like lightning speed and how like there was this titanic effort to get the world's fair put together in Chicago and all the efforts that went into that. It's insane to think about how much construction and production and innovation was going on at that time and how many people were flooding into Chicago and how they wanted to consider themselves a city on par with New York and Los Angeles at the time. But it's also a parallel story of America's first uh, serial killer, H.H. Holmes. And he lived in Chicago and how his, his origin and his access to people like it was like the two are connected because if Chicago wasn't so successful, maybe he wouldn't kill as many people, <laughs> you know, like it's a very fascinating story and this is going to become a limited series. Keanu Reeves is going to be, a, I hope he's not playing HH Holmes because as much as I love Keanu Reeves, um, like I think I need an actor that's a little younger to play the role. Um, but I think he's going to be playing the architect Burnham, but either way though, it's going to be produced by Scorsese there's some really good solid um, like uh, foundational material here to do material here to do a really compelling period specific um, like uh, American crime story. Cause it's one of the first of this kind. It's, it's fascinating. Okay. It, it sounds interesting. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I made the joke earlier about Eric Larson, uh, the savage dragon creator, but uh, I, you know, I, I hate to say it. I am. You've you've brought up the other Eric Larson quite a few times, and I am. Yeah, I have. I am yeah, I know. unfortunately very uh, um, uninformed when it comes to that author. And oddly enough, it's an author that I had not heard until you've brought him up. So, um, not that you know, I'm like, oh, if you bring up Tolstoy, I'm going to be able to have a, <laughs> a, a you know a a uh, very sophisticated conversation about that, but. Uh, well, so I'll, I'll put it this way, Steve, like one, your mileage may vary for his type of storytelling. Cause it's very, it's not dry, but it's very straightforward, but he also, he couches everything in the time of. So when he's writing about like people's reactions and interactions, they don't, there's that anachronism of where, whenever if you write something period specific that you want to, from the modern day, you want to give them the forethought of like, well, you don't know what's coming. He does a really good job of like, like they don't know the future that is right. So he's really good at job at that. Um, but with this one too, it's like the way H H Holmes was able to function because he just understood that like the game is, you're a man of like of some esteem because you're a doctor. And if you just tell people you're good for it, they believe you. And he got, he just, it's like, it's crazy how much you got away with where it's like, Oh, Oh, I got to sign off on this loan. Oh, I'm answering to my boss and that boss never existed. Everyone's like, okay, good. We'll give you this you know, type of stuff. He built a murder castle in Chicago. Like if that doesn't make you interested in what's coming up, cause it's even, even whenever they figured out what was going on, tech, supposedly no one quite understands the, the actual architecture of the murder castle, because every time people would be working on it, he would be like, Oh, you did this badly. I'm going to fire you without pay. And no one will call him out on him. Like this is a very weird story. And the fact that you could have a murder castle in the middle of Chicago, whenever they're trying to shine a light on like, like be a beacon to be like, look at us. We're amazing. It's like, Oh yeah, there's a murder castle here too. Just ignore that. It's fine. Just don't look at the murder castle. <laughs> so can I ask quickly? We covered it and I, I didn't catch it, but why do you not want? Well, I just, I don't know. Like, I think he's, I think he's a good actor in, in the role that he's in. 
Um, I don't, I don't know, like <sighs> Holmes is a very interesting character. Like originally the project was supposed to have, um, DiCaprio play the lead. It was going to be a film. I could see him being this kind of character where he has this charisma, but also exudes this kind of weird, like, you know, off puttedness. And I'm not saying Keanu Reeves isn't capable of it, but I think he has a lane. I love his devotion. I think he's a wonderful human being, but I want somebody that's younger than him that like, I, I don't know who else I'd cast in this now, but just in terms of like, and also if you see pictures of Holmes, they like in terms of accuracy, I guess it doesn't matter. He looks closer to DiCaprio than Keanu. So like, you know, who would have been really, really good, even though he's too old now, like Neil McDonough would have been amazing. Uh, which I think, you know, him as dum, dum Dugan, from Captain America, and he was also a Minority Report. But you've seen Neil McDonough, like he. I know him from Star Trek: First Contact. There you go. Thank yes, you very much. his age then when he was he was Lieutenant Hawk, and that I think he that was the right age for him to be H. H. Holmes. He would have been perfect at that time. But that's what twenty plus years ago. But someone that looks like him. Yeah, I think it'll be Timothy Chamelay now. Okay, perfect. That's fine. I'm not even joking. That would be that'd be a good get, but I don't think he's going to do prestige television right now when he's in the middle of shooting Dune Part Two or whatever he's doing. Well, I would just say that uh, Martin Scorsese is involved. I think you drop whatever you're doing to work with Martin Scorsese. Not that you like stop doing Dune, but I feel like you make you. Yeah, just just work between them. Take your still suit or whatever it is, and go over into Chicago. You know, whatever. Just get some Timmy Shams in there. I'm fine with that. I don't I think know why I'm making a case for. No, I think Tim. I think he would be great. I think he would be. That's actually a really, really good call. He's a little young, but you. you no, could, I, the point I'm making is I. I'm not qualified to make that uh, recommendation. No, that, that, <laughs> but I'm saying you could age him up versus making somebody younger. You know what I mean? Like I think. Yeah, that's not a bad call at all. Anyway, they listen. Hey, hey, um, the world out there. I know. I know Scorsese. I know you're a big fan of the show. Do it. Just make it happen. That's fine. Just do it. You, of the 18 people that listen. Or digitally DH. <laughs> Neil McDonough. Well, I was going to say Keanu Reeves, but <laughs> him or Lee <laughs> Like, just get his image uh, from Bill and Ted, like the original ones. And just, you know, no, I just, I don't know. I just, I, I love Keanu Reeves. I just don't, I, I think I need a little bit more um, face emoting. And nuance, I don't know. Like, he has a lane, and he's good in his lane. I just need somebody else. You know? Like, some people are really good at what they do. They don't need to go too far out. And that's fine. You know? So, that that's... I'm excited for this. It's one of those stories, like, I, I always shove this book on people. Like, I'm just like, you need to read this book. And I even, um, I, I even crowbarred it into my wife's book club. They all read it. And, like, most of them came away not liking it. And I'm like... But why? Like, <laughs> like it's one of those ones where I'm just like, why don't you love it like I do? Are we not friends? You don't deserve a you don't deserve a personal pan pizza for reading this book. You know, like whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. You, that's that's the uh, gold star. That's yeah. what it should be. Instead of like the Oprah review, like if you remember, you know, back when Oprah had her book club, and maybe that's still a thing, and I'm unaware, but. Uh, you know, it was like the Oprah recommended, like maybe it should be like, that's how you get at least people of our age where you're like, Oh, buy this book and read it. 
uh, and show up at Pizza Hut and get a free personal pan pizza. Yeah, no, you got to have book it. You got to you know book it. So I remember the first couple. What was it? This was right before the pandemic hit. Uh, we had people over our old place, and as they're talking about the book, like no one, no one realized I was in the kitchen. Whatever book they were reading, I bought a bunch of smaller pizzas and I was making them. And then as they got down, I was like, "And you get a pan pizza? And you get a pan pizza?" I'm like, "Cause you read a book. That's the that is the transaction, right? Read a book, get a pan pizza." I think that I think that's fair, and I think that reinforces the positive behavior of reading. Does Oprah recommend it? I don't know, but pizza does. <laughs> yeah, and I'm saying that if you didn't like the book, I'm going to take that pizza out of your mouth and throw it in the garbage. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. No, uh, but anyway, I'm excited for the Devil in the White City. It's just it's just one of those things. Like the how I came across it is that at the time I had just bought a Kindle, like an old old like one of the first Kindles. Well, actually. It was the first one of the first fires, so it had like the like the like the screen and not the e ink. And one of my friends is like, "Oh, um, I'm just going to put a bunch of books on here because I download all this stuff illegally." I'm like, "Cool!" And they just dumped a bunch of books on my Kindle. I'm like, "This looks interesting," and then I just kind of fell into it. So it's been like ten years ago, but it was like, well, as ones I kind of just read sight unseen, and I'm like, "This is amazing!" And I guess I've been chasing that like that high of trying to talk to somebody else about it, you know? So. I adore it. And also here's spoiler here for you, Steve. So you'll appreciate this in the Chicago world's fair in 1893. They had a contest to determine the best beer that was there on display. Um, and the beer that won got an award. Do you know what that award was? Uh, Pat's blue ribbon. Ding, ding, ding. You're correct. Wow. Yeah. It won a blue ribbon for being the best beer at the Chicago world's fair. And that's where it's got it got its name. So congratulations. You're right. Well, I finally, it's only taken like, <laughs> taken like 200 episodes for me to get something right. No, you got Santa Claus, the movie correct last week. So give yourself some credit <laughs> there too. I'm still thinking we should watch that. In <laughs> sure. Sure. I hate my life. Let's just do it. As long as we can drink some of the, the blue ribbon award, blue ribbon award winning beer from the Chicago world's fair. And I also, I gotta say that uh, that night, whenever uh, that book club, whenever they're doing uh, the devil in the white city, I had bought a bunch of paps to hit in the fridge. And as they're talking, I brought it out and um, only one other person drank the paps. Nobody else really did. Uh, and that person was my co-host on strange highways. Terry, he was the only one that was excited for it. Uh, why does that not shock me at all? <laughs> Nobody else. Appre- I didn't do pan pizzas, but they didn't appreciate the PBR. But anyway, they're like, that's funny. I'm like, drink it. And they didn't do it. <laughs> so, all right. Anyway. Well, yeah. I, you know, it, it, apologies. No, no. Also, there's there's a documentary that's about the World's Fair that's narrated by Kelsey Grammer. And it's a bunch of those ones where you have the photos and it slowly pans away and moves around. And it's like, for the most part, it's very like, oh, this is what happened. There's a couple times where Kelsey Grammer gets really snotty with some of the commentary about things. It's really funny. You're like, Kelsey Grammer, you're sassy about the Chicago World's Fair. I have questions about this. So, um, yeah. That's all. That's that's the story. Devil in the White City is coming sooner than later. I'm excited for it. I can't wait to get to it. I hope I hope that it's an. I hope it's the gateway for people to read more Eric Larson or read that book because I think Eric Larson's a really interesting writer. So that's that's my story. And I bad Eric Larson. So there you go. Yeah, and also the the Savage Dragon, the true story, right? Maybe they could team up and do the true story of the Savage Dragon. But all right, so. 
One last story for you, Steve, here. I have a secret story. And you're going to say to me, Paul, the secret story bear not involve a bear breaking into a house eating food. Because I know that's tired and trite. And you're probably tired of that, of me accusing you of going places of bear breaking in and eating food. Correct? Yeah. yeah, Sure. I don't know. I just, I figure you're probably, by this time you're like, I'm not a bear that just randomly goes into people's houses and eats food. You know? Because, I mean, you like... You have an alibi. You were out of state, but you proved that you were in Texas and not on the like the coast and in Florida, you know, and in New England. Like, you know, you probably are tired of me besmirching your name of accusing you of breaking the houses, eating food. Yes. Yes, I am. I don't like anybody besmirching my name, let That's alone true. you. All right. So, uh, so the sneaker story I have here, that is not that. Firefighters remove bear from laundry room of California home. Um, firefighters in California responded to a home to remove a bear that had broken into a house, damaged a pipe in the laundry room to take a drink. Uh, Santa Barbara County fire spokesperson said on Twitter that the firefighters were summoned to this house on Wednesday, the report of an intruding bear. They found this bear relaxing in the laundry room. It had broken a water pipe and was enjoying a drink. Firefighters escorted the bear outside and the animal immediately climbed up a tree. So Steve, you had your fill of snacks. I, I understand that you had to go get a drink. And then I don't understand why you... Well, you know, it's not me because I'm not, tr- I'm not climbing up any... <laughs> you're, like, you're like, I object to climbing up a tree. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And unless those pipes were filled with Miller Lite, I'm not breaking it. <laughs> or, or the award-winning PBR. You know, that's what I go. <laughs> hmm. There you go. I just feel like as much as these stories entertain me because I keep finding them, which is bad because I keep bringing them up. Cause again, I'm beating a dead horse. Um, it's also showing like how wildlife is like, Oh, we can't get what we need. So I guess we're going to go into like people's houses. So that speaks to a bigger thing that our world is dying. However, comparing you like uh, assuming that you're a bear out there uh, causing havoc gives me a little bit of delight, but you're right. Neither one of us will climb a tree. So I should not accuse you of climbing a tree. <laughs> How dare I accuse you of climbing a tree? So, <laughs> and I, I know that you, uh, you you only watched the 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 main piece of uh, John Oliver's uh, last week tonight, but uh, this past week he had a news story about this seal. Although the walrus, it was, like a it was the walrus oh, the in walrus. like Sweden or whatever, right? That was sinking boats. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I think instead of being the bear, I'd like to be confused for that. That was walrus. it Sweden or Finland? Uh, it was one of the Nordic countries, right? Where it's like it kept trying to sun on a rock, but it's t- taking boats and sinking it. And they're like, I love it. I love the people who are watching it. They're like, go away. And it's like, nah. Like <laughs> 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 I've seen multiple stories of this walrus wreaking havoc over the coat, like the summer, the sinking boats. And I'm, yeah, I'm good with it. Like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I can just see uh, Greta Thunberg giving a thumbs up and I'm fine with that. Like, you know, just, you know, it's like we're good. <laughs> I just love the one shot uh, they showed of like, it was like the walrus is just like in the middle of the boat as it's starting to sink. And he's just kind of like laid out. Like he looks very proud of himself. <laughs> I, I can only hope to be as amazing as that, you know, like. Like, oh, look at me. I have my beach body and I'm sinking a boat, you know, like that's, I can only hope, right? <laughs> I got I to gotta get, I got to get more whiskers on my face, you know, that's fine. Uh, yeah. So 
anyway, I just thought you'd appreciate that. I like, cause I, you told me that you have plans to go out to the West coast soon. So I don't know, maybe hook up with, um, I don't, what do you call What do you call a bunch of bears? Um, not a clan, right? Is a clan, clan of bear? I don't know. Uh, um, bearful. I don't know what you call a bunch of bears. Um, a group of bears. Let me see if there's actually a name for, uh, what's or like, cause I mean, if now it's just silence. No, I'm, I'm, I was typing. It's called a sleuth or a sloth. What? A sloth of bears. That doesn't make any sense. A sloth of bears. Yeah. It's like a sleuth of bears or a sloth of bears, which, you know, I guess is the, um, I don't know. That's weird. I don't know how I feel. This feels inappropriate. Cause it's like, that feels like you're naming a bunch of bears after another animal. Whatever. Anyway, I don't know what you call a bunch of bears. Um, a good time. I know, but probably not. You call it a grizzly. Uh, um, I got nothing. Fair enough. Should we move on to the feature presentation? Sure. That good. Let save me. Calgon, take me away. And now for our feature presentation. Tonight's feature presentation is Phil Tippett's Mad God. Uh, this is a 2021 movie that was, and I did not realize that at the time, it's a Shutter exclusive uh, on VOD, maybe. I don't know if that's the correct term, but it's uh, the only place to watch it currently streaming is, I believe, on Shutter because it's exclusive to them. But it was also a kickstarted, uh, or I shouldn't say kickstarted, a crowdfunded feature. And uh, the film took 30 years to get made. Uh, it was, I believe, based on a short by Phil Tippett, um, and they decided to turn it into a film. And their tagline is, is that it's a nightmare that was 30 years in the making. Um, going into this film tonight, uh, the reason I brought it up to Paul was is that uh, Star Wars may have come up on this show once or twice in the past. I don't know if we've ever really talked about it in depth, but uh, Phil Tippett is a name that I would have known. Uh, as being the guy who created the chess scene. And it's not even chess. I don't know what it's called in Star Wars land. I'm a bad Star Wars fan. My apologies. But the monster chess game that's happening in the original Star Wars from 1977, uh, where there's, you know, Chewie and C-3PO playing this game. uh, And C-3PO is winning. And, you know, it's pointed out, like, it's never wise to, uh, I'm sorry, R2's winning. My apologies. Oh my god, I am a terrible Star Wars fan. Um, it's R2 and Chewie, and and uh, what's a Chewie? I'm kidding. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Han, Han points out that it's not wise to upset a Wookiee. Uh, you know, droids don't pull your out arm out for uh, you know. Uh, never mind. The point that is that I'm trying to make is is I know it specifically from that that scene, uh, and. I feel like I've just gone off on a tangent. And well, no, no, you're talking about your relationship with Phil Tippett. Opening no, 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 no. You, you yes, yeah, I know, yeah. I know. But I went on a tangent, and here we are, where people are like, "What the fuck is he talking about?" So, <laughs> Phil Tippett. All right, you got the one. Thanks, yeah, Steve. All I got right. the one. You got the one. I like that it's become lax. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to avoid the explicit tag. Whatever, just, just. PG 13 and up. It's fine. No. So no, you're right. So he, um, was, he was inspired by Ray Harryhausen with his stop motion animation. Uh, and then wanted to be like that went to uh, school for, uh, like, you know, art and, you know, animation 
ended up working with George Lucas and Industrial Light and Magic to do the chess scene in Star Wars. Would go on to uh, work with Joe Dante and uh, John Davidson to create the fish for Roger Corman's Piranha. Uh, and then he would also work uh, on the Empire Strikes Back. He would also come up with the thing called Go Motion, that was kind of a blurring of animation that actually made stop motion work really, really well. You would see this in the film Dragon Slayer, that uh, actually got him an Oscar nomination. But yeah, he he's a big time guy in visual effects. He actually worked on uh, Ed Two Hundred Nine in RoboCop, which I think is funny because we see an Ed Two Hundred Nine here for a second in this movie. Uh, Phil Tippett's a big deal. He's a really, really, really big deal. He's important to you because of Star Wars. Uh, he's just important in general because of visual storytelling, right? I think that's what we were getting to. And I didn't realize the depth of his work. But when we, as much as we talk about like uh, Rob Bottin and, um, oh goodness, all the other people that are failing me right now that do visual effects and like special effects. Um, Rick he, Baker? Rick Baker and also Tom Savini. Like you talk about all these people that um, did all this stuff. It's like, Phil Tippett belongs in there too. He belongs in that pantheon. Yeah, yeah. Particularly if we're talking about uh, you know people in the film industry who kind of shaped us, who aren't you know writers or directors or stars. You know the the ones who get most of the glory, the guys who are putting together amazing effects and uh, you know making the movies that we love. Uh, and one of the reasons that we love them is, is because they were able to transport us into different places. Um, and I, I think that that is actually a very good description of what Mad Gaga, not, not that what it is, but the tone of it is, is this film is completely a, a transportation of like what, you know, as a, there's nothing like this in the world in the sense of like, there's nothing real about this film. Uh, it's completely within its own. Um, I don't want to say setting because setting means that localizes it to an actual setting, but like it's within its own realm. It's within the world. It's, it's something that is unlike anything else that we've ever seen. And I think that uh, when we talk about this movie, that's one of the things that uh, it's being heralded for is, is that it's, it's literally a vision of Phil Tippett and it's, it's gorgeous to look at. And I'll give, I guess what could be, quote unquote, my hot take of the, the episode. Um, but it's, it's a visually stunning piece. And when they call it a masterpiece, I don't think they're wrong in the sense of like visually it's stunning. Um, but it is also a very long tool video and we never get to hear so. <laughs> Thank you. I was going to, I was going to make the tool joke as well, but uh, so I was also going to, I was also going to pull the rug out from it. you be like, Steve, tell us the story of, of Mad God, describe the plot. Right now. Yeah. I'm kidding. (laughs) 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 Um, Yeah. Like when I, we, we call it a waking nightmare that that is true and not true at the same time. Like it is, it's okay. So let me, let me say this one. If you people have, if if you people, if you guys have access to shutter, it's worthy of, of one watch. I don't know. This is one of those ones that like, I'm glad I took the journey. I don't know if I want to come back to it. uh, Cause I, I don't know about you. I sometimes have, I have a very challenging relationship sometimes where art is out there to be engaged with, which I respect and that you can tell that the creators are saying something. And there's times where I feel like I can get my fingers under it and be like, Oh, I know where you're going with this. And there's other times I'm like, I really have no idea what you're doing here. And it's like, I don't know. 
there's times where I'm like, am I the dummy here? Cause I don't get it. Or it's just more like you're not supposed to. I just, those aren't experiences that I always want to come back to, or I have to have a large time in between. Um, let me rewind this back further. Uh, I think, I think I was 12 or 13 when my older brother forced me to watch a uh, Pink Floyd's the wall because he was like, you know, like three years older than me and bigger and was like, I'm going to watch this thing. And I'm like, sure. I'm 12. I have no idea what the hell was going on with that movie. Cause I wasn't old enough to understand that there's like metaphor going on. And I'm just like, Oh, there's penis hammers or whatever the hell's going on in this movie. Like it, it really, it really messed me up. I'm like, Oh, it's animated. Oh, there's a hawk ripping off the top of a mountain and there's vagina things. And there's a judge with a butthole mouth. Yeah. This is all good for my brain when I'm 12, you know, like, um, spoilers. That's the pink Floyd, the wall. I just described the whole movie to you. Um, but like, it's one of those things where it's like, Oh, there's more going on. And I can't, I can't put it together quite right. I felt like this is one of those ones where it's like, the people that made this knew what they were doing and they knew what they were saying. And there's a lot here to unpack, but I'm just like, huh? And I got to the end and I was like, huh? So like, it's, it's worthy of a watch. I just, my God, the, I did not, I didn't almost, I didn't expect this kind of nonlinear. I don't know, man. I didn't know what to expect. And I guess that's a good thing, but what, what, what I was maybe walking into and what we got are a little two different things. And maybe that's on me being like setting my expectations in a weird way. Does that make sense? So, yeah, uh, that makes complete sense. And, uh, I, before we move on to the back to uh, move on or back to, I should say the, uh, the film you're bringing up of the, the wall is not that far off. Um, but I wanted to mention real quick that uh, my sister, when I was growing up, had the album. And to me, when you open it up, there was this beautiful painting that was inside. Uh, but the, the image that I remember is the, the, the character who's a gigantic butt. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, the judge, for, right? The, the judge with yeah. the, yeah. But judge the butt. way I always yeah. refer to that, that album within my family was is like, oh, that's the butt album. <laughs> I mean, yes. <laughs> um, I should also say that I'm not a huge Floyd fan, so maybe that colored my expectations early. But like that was always my distinction for that was like, oh yeah, I'm going through you know my sister's records again. Oh, this is this, this is that. Oh, here's the butt album. So yeah, there you go. Um, but no, uh, getting the mad God, um, I, I do find myself, you know, I was frustrated watching it because I wanted to get into it more. And it just it felt like in some ways um, it felt like a box that was wrapped up and then I opened that box and then when I did, there was another box that was wrapped up. So I opened that and then there was another box that was wrapped up and then I opened that same thing over and over. And I, I, I kind of found myself getting angry at one, not the movie itself, because look, the movie is visual, visually gorgeous. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's unlike uh, anything that you're probably going to see. Um, at least within, you know, if you're somebody. So let me step back here. 
stop motion isn't really something that's done very much these days. I mean, uh, last year we did talk about Paranorman. That is a stop stop mm-hmm. motion movie. But most most of these films that come out these days that are animated are either, you know, CGI or whatever the version is that they're using for traditionally animated films. Like there isn't stop motion is not like a huge piece of the marketplace anymore unless you get somebody like, you know, a Tim Burton who comes along and is like, hey, I want to make Nightmare Before Christmas or uh, The Corpse Bride. Like, yeah, like you, uh, was you it don't see it as much. Laka Studios, they're the ones that did Paranorman. I think they did Kubo and the was it Two Strings. Like they kind of they have their own thing. They, the Box Trolls, I think, is them as well. They're stop motion, but that's that's not a thing that really happens a whole lot anymore. Other than um, the Wallace and Gromit people as well. That's about it, right? Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, I, I do feel like, you know, with this stuff, it, with this, uh, with that in mind, uh, we've been trying to record all night guys. So, uh, if you're like, uh, I'm a few beers in, so my apologies. Um, (laughs) we're, we're at hour three in terms of drinking, but we're only 90 minutes into the episode. So God help us all when we get to the end of this. So like, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) no Skype's been a bastard. We switched to zoom and if this doesn't work, we're going to switch to, I don't know, telepathy and hope that we're going to use some 11 powers and piggyback. I'm going to end up in a tub full of salt water. Like it's going to get weird. It's going to get weird. What, what yeah. I think we'll do for the next episode is, is that we'll actually just, I'll call you and leave you thoughts as voicemail. <laughs> and then you call me back and give me no, your thoughts. No, I'm going to, I'm going to actually call and have a landline installed. And I'm just going to hold the phone up to the microphone and you talk a little bit and I'll talk a little bit and you talk a little bit and I'll talk a little bit or we'll just get like, like walkie talkies and like over and it's good. No, it's fine. No, with this. So, um, yeah, so let's, let's Okay. So let me, let me try, let me try. Cause I was really trying to process the story. Um, it, it's basically, I mean, basically Jesus Christ. Um, we, we follow these guys that are wearing, like, it looks like a World War One like, gas masks and all the stuff. And they're, I guess, per the story, they're called the assassin. And they're brought into these little different situations to take, a, like, a briefcase with a bomb with dynamite in it to these different locations. And it becomes a bunch of vignettes. And it's like when you talk about being a tool video, absolutely. Like, I was talking to somebody else the other night about this film a little bit. I was like, you could screenshot any second in this and come up with like a nineties album cover, like, like a college, like alternative rock or whatever cover. Um, there is some through lines where we follow a couple of different of these assassins, but then there's also these other vignettes, two of other things going on. Um, also to say stop motion is correct. However, this is a mixed media presentation because there is live action. There is like computer enhanced stuff too. It is, um, Oh, I don't know how to describe it. Like, I don't think visually I've ever seen this many different types of mediums put together to tell a story. However, weirdly associated and loosely as it is at first, I was like, this is going to be all stop motion. I'm like, well, we're not doing that now. Cause we got to um, like the midway point where we had like the doctors doing their thing. Th- those were people, right? Kind of. I don't, and then at the end, there was more people, like actual live action, like on green screen, and there was like a lot of CG assist. Um, what I will say though is that as a creative person, 
you use every tool available to you. And if you think that stop motion is going to do it. And can I also say here, people, when you're watching this, some of the, the, the backgrounds during the stop motion, like are mind blowingly, um, in depth and in detail and fantastic. Like it's crazy the amount of work that went into some of these backgrounds for the stop motion. Like I, you will not like, and I, and I know this movie just came out, but you will not see this type of craftsmanship uh, in anything ever again. Like there is bits where there, the whole first like 20, 30 minutes is like, maybe it's not even that long. You're just following the one guy, like basically a diving bell going through like every level of hell, <laughs> you know, it's just like, all right, I guess I'm going through this level, this level. And it's like, this one's gross, full of poop. This one's gross and grosser and full of more poop, whatever. And just keep going and going and going. But there's so many different visual landscapes that you, you can't take it all in at first glance, but knowing that there's people that actually physically put this together is mind blowing. What I'm frustrated with is like, you put all this work in. Can I understand what's going on, please? Cause I don't know that I did. So like I'm of two minds of this, but I also think that you as a visual person, Steve, there's probably individual moments here. You're like, my God, this is amazing. And also let me shout this out too. And I know I do this thing where I throw 7,000 different ideas at you. The sound editing in this and the sound design is top notch. I watched this with headphones on this. The sound design, in this was crisp and clean and sharp. And that was not what I was expecting for a film that took 30 years to make. Okay, so I, I will agree with you 100% that, yeah, the, the sound design is wonderful. At the same time, and I know it's probably deliberate, it's very unnerving. Uh, there's a lot of, like, child uh, crying slash cooing slash whatever noises you want to say that, like, a baby might make. Uh, in in then, like, the chattering of teeth <sighs> and, you know, disparate sounds that just sort of build up the soundtrack like it's it's i i understand that it, it it's intended the effect that it's having on me but it made me uncomfortable a lot of time during my viewing of it which is also not a bad thing uh but to go to your initial point where you were pointing out that the uh film you know you're having trouble discerning what the story is and following it you know, I I had the same problem, and yeah, I I kind of got mad to myself because I'm like, is this something that I'm just not getting? Like, there have been things that I've been presented with, or people love them. And I'm like, what am I not getting? Where where is the disconnect here for me? Um, and I I'm not saying this to be mean or anything. Yes, it's a little funny in my opinion, but also, you know, one of the like main criticisms. <laughs> I mean, there are a lot of criticisms to be had for this, but one of the main criticisms that people will always hold against like the star Wars holiday special is that you have a cast of characters who are all talking to each other and Wookiee for like 20 minutes where you're like, what, what am I watching? What's <laughs> happening? That effect sort of happens within this film where it's like, I I've seen like the 20th, like bug slash larva slash whatever be smashed and turned into goo and then fed into something like, it, it, it feels repetitive in nature where it's like, yeah, that, that effectiveness that I mentioned earlier does sort of fall off a little bit because you're like, okay, okay I, I've seen this enough times. I, I kind of get what we're, we're getting at here that 
there's some sort of machination happening, some sort of whether you want to consider it destruction or destruction or construction, like whatever is happening there, you're familiar with it at that point. So it, it sort of loses that edge that it mm-hmm. had because you don't get a, a, a direction further with the story. Well, and that's I was also hoping like, cause the beginning we see that big, like whatever it looks like this big, like fortress thing on a hill. And then like the clouds are closing in and we hear like this big score. And then uh, we hear some of this music and I'm like, Oh shit. Are we going to get like uh, all prog rock and get like an actual, like, musical type of thing. I'm like, I'm in like, if you're going to, if you're going to present to me this like weirdly nightmarish, um, imagery, which it's clear. And like all those involved, like, you know, like we've all had messed up dreams and, but do you all need help? I'm kidding. Uh, but if you would have actually been like, Oh, mad God scored by and like brought in like an actual, like, I don't know, somebody else to, kind of give you like a musical through line. I think this would have been a little bit of not an easier ride, a more digestible ride because you would have had a couple different avenues to process it. You know, am I making sense where it's like, if you would have given this a little bit more of a soundtrack, then you could have, that could have differentiated, uh, differentiated the different segments a little bit more. Um, but also, I mean, if it's a conscious decision to not do that, there's a whole sequence in the middle of this is dealing with the ticking of a clock that made me want to pull my own head off and kick it. Not because I was frustrated because it really got under my skin and mission accomplished. And that was a very much a tool video. <laughs> you know, everything felt like it's like, am I watching sober over and over again? Is this a little meat guy? What's going on here? Every, uh, you know, like it just, when I mentioned the wall, like it wouldn't surprise me. It's like, Hey, if you sync this up to dark side of the moon, you'll have a bad time, but you should watch it anyway. You know, like just dear Lord. Like I just, there, there could have been a musical accompaniment of this that could have launched this to the stratosphere. And you could have been like, Oh, this is just one long music video, but it doesn't want to be that, but it kind of does. Like, I, I, am I making sense? I know I'm not making sense. Like, am I, I'm making as much sense as mad God right now. No, I think you are making uh, sense, and I don't want to turn this into a, a uh, oh, Steve's just going to go down the list of things that he talks about every episode, but, uh, you know, if you're drink- if you're playing at home, if you're drinking along at home, if you're playing and drinking along at home. If you're, if you're drinking home, along at home, I'm sorry. Exactly. <laughs> you know, uh, I've already mentioned Star Wars, Batman, and, uh, um, well, maybe the next one will be the, the next check mark on your list but um you know metallica is a band that i i have talked about many times on the show and how much i love them they made a film in 2011 2012 i don't remember specifically i i think no i think it actually comes out like 2013 that's neither here nor there this is where i get stuck guys um but they made a concert film and within it it was interspersed these shorts that were uh, this character played by Dane Duhan, who's supposed to be a roadie of theirs trying to get to the show and all these obstacles that are happening around him. And um, my, my whole takeaway for that movie was this is like, I've seen them in concert. I love seeing them live. Don't get me wrong. So much so that I even saw with former co-host Joe, uh, I went and saw them on the big screen when they did their second round of the uh, symphony and Metallica uh, concert where they 
put it on the big screen. I was there for that. So this is not somebody who lightly says this about a film, but I'm like, you guys could have put together a concert. Or, I'm sorry, not a concert, a concept album. You could have done something way bigger with this and then also released it simultaneously as an album instead of making it a a live concert event. And I know that the whole idea behind that film was to capture the um, excitement and, you know, I almost said wonder. That's not the right word. But the the um, adrenaline, the, the research you have seeing them in concert. So I got it from that point. But I'm like, you guys aren't doing anything new here. Like, you're just adding this movie component to your back catalog. Wouldn't it have been fascinating to, like, I, I do wonder, like, what if this would have been something that, like, and I'm not using Metallica as the reference, but, like, had a band, like, you know, the first one who's popping into my head is, like, Faith No More. Like, imagine, like, if this was a movie, like, you know, that was scored by Faith No More, you'd be like, it kicks this movie up a notch, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I'm not trying to raise it to, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to lower it to raise something else or vice versa. I just I can't help but feel like there's a component missing to this. And I don't know if it's in the story. I don't know if it's within my own connection to the film. You know, I've talked about here as well that, you know, I'm somebody who's drawn in by character. I don't care about plot as much as I do character. If you give me characters that I love and can relate to, I'm into your story. You know, I'm, I'm in, it's easier for me to buy in. Uh, and I think that's also part of where my frustration is, but I, I, I just can't help but wonder like, what if this would have been a concept concept album film? Or if Phil Tippett was like, Hey, I went to you know this band and was like, here's this movie score it and you know do yeah. whatever you want with like, it like hey hey flaming lips you guys get weird do it you know yeah. like oh my gosh like i'm maybe that's not like you're right like maybe they're not the best pairing but um i'll give you an example like the couple times i've seen them in concert they constantly have like stuff running in the background of like when they play songs that was my first experience to battle royale the film was them playing one of their songs. You see all these, uh, you know, young schoolgirls and like the schoolgirl outfits, like using Uzis and just firing off at each other while they're singing like this upbeat song. I'm like, I have no idea what's going on behind you, but this is all very upsetting to me. And I kind of dig it. You know, it's like, like you like just, I think they could have taken a chance, like a little but I understand this is crowdfunded and like, you know, what are you going to do about it? Right. But the scoring is okay. But it's like, it's like, um, like here, here's my hot take, Steve. <laughs> This, this is kind of like as much as we were so like upset during our year of animation about how we kicked it off with wizards. It's like, yeah, you like, this is what wizards like you could have, this is, I think this is what wizards wanted to be. It didn't have the balls to be it though. You know? And it's like, oh my gosh, you could have put these together with the mixed like animation of Ralph Bakshi and Phil Tippett and then brought in, you know, I don't know who, to do the scoring and you would have had like the greatest, like mind F film ever. Yeah. I, I, that's absolutely a hundred. I was going to say, correct. I, I always hate, I hate that. Like I'm saying like, Oh, you're wrong. If, if I don't agree with it, but like, no, I, I agree a hundred percent. Like, uh, I, I do feel like, uh, you know, wizards is a good comparison. Um, and I guess wasn't, um, Oh, 
The the unicorn was it the secret. The, 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 the last unicorn, where it's like, oh, they the did have a soundtrack, unicorn. but no. <laughs> but that wasn't considered as a concept, right? That was just like with music by, by was it um, Kansas, was it Kansas or America yeah. or Kansas okay. America. I don't know. Yeah, I think it was Kansas. Yeah, <laughs> was it Boston? America? No. Oh, was it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm gonna look this up. It's gonna bother me. I think it's America, but continue, please. Yeah, so you know, I I I, I totally get um, where you're coming from with that too, and also, you know, I watched the trailer for this and I was super psyched. To, uh, America, to, it was America. It was America. America. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, I, I have a a similar story in the sense of like when I watched the trailer for Wizards, I was like, this is amazing. I have to watch this, and it wasn't for me once I watched it. Uh, thing with this, when I watched the trailer, I was like, oh my god, we have to watch this and talk about it on the show. Um, and it's it's not bad. It's God, you know, I, I'm going to use a very sort of, I don't know, I, I don't even want to say artsy fartsy look at it, but like, I feel like this is a movie that, you know, some people are going to look at it and get everything out of it they're going to fall in love with it they're going to embrace it and it's going to be this thing that they love then there are people like myself and i am assuming because we seem to be pretty much in agreement throughout this conversation like yourself that it's like looking at a beautiful painting you know like oh that's beautiful and i don't know how they did it but for whatever reason it doesn't connect with you like it's not something that leaves an impression where you're like it's visually stunning, but it's at face value for me. It's not something that I'm having either a connection with um, emotionally or um, that impacts me in a way where like some things just happen to stick with you sometimes, you know, and that's, that's why art is subjective, you know, not everything is for everyone. So I, I, I try to keep that in mind. I, the other comparison that I kept coming up to with this was was um, it felt like reading the Max comics in the 90s. Mm-hmm. We we're like, this is really weird. But at least you had characters to latch onto because there was dialogue and interactions. With this, you're only just kind of looking at it from an outside perspective and you never ever get a, a, a way into what this world is. Yeah, and it's a purposeful decision too. You're like, you know, like it's always at arm's length and it's just, that's like, there's no, and I'm not saying that you have to like spoon feed me everything. I like, I don't need that, but I need something to hang on to. And I was trying this entire time watching this. Like I, you know, and I'll be honest, like I got about a half hour in and I went, um, and I went and took a nap so that my, my dreams are great. Just like, <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't know what happened there, but I came back and finished it. And it's like, you know, and I was trying to, cause I, cause I was starting to drift away and I'm like, I need to, I need to focus. And this is one of the, like, I didn't, like, I really gave all my attention to it. And it was just, I was really trying to get behind the idea of this, this character, this faceless character called the assassin. And then whenever this character actually goes away about midway through the film, spoiler, and then another one shows up, you're like, okay, well, what's going on with this one? And he's never resolved either. It's just, it's frustrating that we, we get all these snippets, like these ideas, like these little, like little bits and pieces. It's like, oh, there's a bigger world here, but we'll never get it. And that's okay too, I guess. But it's like, I didn't get enough to have a satisfactory 
um, watch in terms of like, um, I guess, I guess we're all, we're all trained by the, the infidom of cinema that's been around since like what, like the birth of it from like the early 1900s that we expect like an A to B journey. And I guess we're not owed that, but that's kind of the contract we get into when we watch a movie is that we expect something right. And with this, like we got, we got somewhere, but at the same time, it's like, Oh, I took, I took like, was it 90 minutes to go through a Peter Gabriel video? Cool. You know, (laughs) you know, it's like, (laughs) like you mentioned tool, but I also think of like, Oh yeah, he would have used the same stuff for like uh, digging in the dirt, you know, or like a way darker version of the sledgehammer. Like, you know, like it's just, I wanted, I wanted to, I wanted to be, I wanted to like tell people like, look at this animation, which you should like, people should like, again, watch this, right? It's on shutter. Um, if you don't have access to that too, um, if you maybe are watching better call Saul right now to have AMC plus you have access to shutter, check it out. Like that's how I got through. That's how I got into it. Um, to check it out. Cause I have shutter as part of my AMC plus subscription and it's not that much. Um, and I also, I credit to shutter that they picked this up. I know this was crowdfunded, like you said, and so it needed distribution. And this is another feather in their cap speaking back to the, like the Batgirl talk. Like this is one of those ones. It's like who, what other streaming service would actually pick this up and be like, Hey guys, you want to see a bunch of violent shitting and guys getting shocked at other shitting and other things going on. Welcome to shutter. Like, I think they're the perfect area to, to host this. Right. Like, I think that's, I think that's appropriate. Cause it can't be like Netflix, the Netflix original mad God. Hope you like stop motion pooping. You know, like I don't, you know, like I, I think people are already kind of primed for this. It's just, man, like I, I would love to sit down with Phil Tippett and be like, okay, can you, can you tell me what this movie's about? So that way I can meet you halfway. That's all. Like I, maybe there should be a director's commentary with this where I'm like, oh, when you see this all going, oh, this is what I mean. I'm like, oh, cause I kind of feel like that bit in Billy Madison, whenever he's trying to learn Spanish and the guy's yelling at him really fast, he's like, slow down. And then the guy keeps talking really fast in Spanish. He's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. That's how I feel about this right now. <laughs> well, I, okay. So I, I will absolutely agree with you on the shutter thing. I, I do, you know, and I don't know the, the, the ins and outs of shutter, but I, I do, you know, I like the fact that they, they bring stuff like this to light. And, uh, you might say, well, it was already to light, but like I had not heard of it before it made it to shutter. And I, I'd like to think that like, I'm, I'm look, I'm not going to be able to tell you what was, you know, in the Washington post this morning, but I'm pretty sure I can tell you about stuff that popped up pop culture wise that are related to the things that I'm into. And this was something that probably should have been on my radar. Um, the fact that it was just like, Oh, oh, it's it's this new movie on Shutter. I did not know the history of it until looking into it. So, you know, I I I do like that Shutter. Uh, not only, you know, is the home of say like Joe Bob, but the fact that they they curate their stuff and they they do put up these originals and try to find different avenues of horror. They're not just you know like okay so i'm gonna i'll step back like i feel like to netflix this isn't sexy enough by the name of phil tippett Mm -hmm. like had this been and this is not a slam against death love and robots but i feel like 
the reason that Death Love and Robots exists to some extent is because of the involvement of David Fincher, because he's a name that they can throw out there and be like David Fincher and people will instantly respond to it. Whereas, you know, Phil Tippett may mean something to guys like you and me because we're like, oh, remember when Ed 209, you know, uh, got blown up by RoboCop or whatever. Remember when we Ed 209 couldn't go down steps and sounded like an angry, uh, what was it, um, uh, was it like cow or whatever, lion or whatever, <laughs> falling down <laughs> steps? Remember that? Um, well, okay, so I'm going to cut you off. That's what I'm going to do here. Uh, so um, two things. One, if Netflix would have picked this up and have been like, Love, Death, and Robots presents um mad god you've been like all right well i guess we're getting something weird which would at least prep us for that um but i will so i will say um like we we talk about the history of this i want to speak to this for a second so phil tippett started making this film while working robocop 2 and then whenever uh spielberg approached him for jurassic park he worked on a number of different animatronic go motion uh models for the dinosaurs and then they're like nah we can do some of this with cg and phil tippett's like all right I'm obsolete. Guess we're done now. And he stopped working because he's like, well, Jurassic Park is now shown what we can do. And he was still brought in under the wing of Spielberg and did a lot of other things as well. But he thought this was kind of like a dead art form. And then when people kept asking about that, that's when the Kickstarter came in. So he was this kind of like revolutionary, like stop motion guy. But he also thought that like the CG assist was the death of him in terms of what he could do. And it turns out that's not correct. So I wanted to at least like inform people if you haven't dug into Phil Tippett or the how why this movie took so long. That's why because he thought that like oh what I'm working on is impossible to do now. But it's like I think I think we as as an audience are sophisticated enough and have grown up enough that um, especially when you mentioned things like uh, Coraline and uh, like Paranorman and Kubo and the Two Strings that. Stop motion is just another element of art form and it's, it's not limited now. Like you actively make the choice, right. Um, versus like, well, everything has to be CG. So I think this film kind of exists now where in, in a way it exists in, in, in a perfect headspace where it's like, you could approach it where it is in terms of being stop motion in terms of being this visual feast. Um, but at the same time, it's like, okay, well, thank you for making this. You've, you've let this percolate for 30 years. You had 30 years. Did you had 30 years? Did, could you, can you come up with a story, please? I don't know. I'm frustrated by that. So I'll, I'll, I'll say this. Um, and this is not me blowing up George Lucas on here, but like, uh, there's a very famous quote from George Lucas in the eighties that people will be like, oh, I guess he forgot this when he got to the prequels. But, you know, the, the quote is essentially that um, a special effect without story is nothing. You know, um, I, 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 and I'm paraphrasing that quote, but I, I do kind of feel like that's, that's what happens here is, is that like, there's not a, a consistent story throughout, or at least, not one that, uh, and look, I get it. I'm not saying, and I'm pivoting my apologies. I'm not saying that everything is for everyone or that everyone is always going to get something, you know. Um, but 
the narrative here, I think, needs to be a little clearer because mm-hmm. it, it it is very repetitive and very much like, okay, why did I watch that? What did I watch? Like, mm-hmm. the images are very horrific, that whole nightmare fuel thing, but you also get to a point where you're like, okay, I'm kind of bored with it now. Like, you, you've given me these things over and over again. I don't know how this breaks down into a story. Like, it's you kind of get, you know, demystified by not demystified. What's the word I'm looking for here? You get desensitized. Mm-hmm. My apologies uh, to that nightmare fuel uh, because like, okay, well, I've seen this and I didn't understand it the first three times you've shown it to me. <laughs> and now that I'm seeing it a fourth time, I am, I am aware that there's, this isn't going anywhere and it's just cycling. Um, and I'm no longer taken in by the beauty beauty of the the quality of the work. It's it, well, it's funny because it's like whenever like I mentioned that I did take a nap, not because I was bored by the movie. It's just you know sometimes you gotta take a nap. We're older, you know, we're we're old men now. We gotta go play croquet out in the sun and take a nap midway through. Um, but like whenever I was pausing the movie, and I'm like, I have an hour to go, dear lord. And then when I came back. I was really resisting the urge to look at the time because if you start like checking the time left, that means that you're not actively like, I mean, not not that you're not engaging with something, but you're like, are we done yet type of thing? You know? So it's like, that was frustrating to me whenever I was my experience watching solar babies. So no, that is not at all. (laughs) Oh, that's That's a a very valid point. That's, that's a very valid point. Almost the same movie in a lot of ways, a lot less shitting active shitting going on solar babies, but not, not dissimilar. Right. Um, so yeah, it was one of those things where I'm like, okay, are we, are we done that? Are we done yet? And then when we got to the credits, I'm like, oh shit, there's more going on. Like it, it was just like, okay. Right. But I, I can, can I just, I want to say though, that one, like I mentioned, the film is a feast visually. Uh, maybe if you want to take some, like, you know, take some, uh, some edibles or something to alter your brain and just kind of sit back and watch what's going on. Cool. Agree with that. Um, there is a wicked sense of humor in this. And I, can I, I want to say the things that did make me laugh, which I think were on purpose was in the first third when we got like these weird, like, like these weird stuffy men walking around, like doing all the different, like menial jobs and how like pointless their lives were and how they kept getting like mowed down. Like, like, I don't know. That was always funny to me when we see like another little, a little shape guy just getting annihilated by like a train or a weird floating block or whatever. Like I thought that was legitimately funny. And I think there, I know it was making a statement, but I think it was like honestly funny. So I don't know if you felt if you thought it was funny. I just like, it's like all these guys are like, they're, they're all being made for a life of like servitude, which sucks. But it's like, my God, they're so expendable that like, even, even amongst themselves, they don't care. Like, I thought that was actually funny. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's sort of a, a, you know, I don't want to say a nihilism that's running throughout the film, but like, uh, you know, the, the first two guys that get squished at the very beginning of the movie, uh, you know, you're like, well, wow, this guy's kind of a dick. He just stepped on those dudes without even blinking. Yeah. Um, and it's not ever like a consequence that's explored throughout the film. And it's it's a small thing for me to like pick up on. But I'm just like, yeah, like why? Well, 
what is the whole point to to all of this? Like, it, it's one of those things that you know frustrates me. Where I'm like, am I just stupid and I don't get this? <laughs> you know, it's 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 hearing somebody say something to me, and then like by the third time that I've asked them to repeat it, you know, I'm like, okay. I still don't understand what they're saying. So this is the point where I laugh <laughs> well, no, or I shake yeah, my head. I just, I thought that was funny that later on when we got to the second assassin, when he was like in that Jeep and how he was like, every time the radio would fire off playing like upbeat music, he's like banging on the dash. I thought that was funny. Cause it's like, everything's bleak and terrible, but then like the radio would fire off. He's like, no, no. And just hitting the dash. Like, <laughs> like there's like, yeah. I think these were purposely funny bits in the middle of all of it. Right. I think that was funny. But yeah, it's just my gosh. And then, the, then we really find out it's like, oh, what's going on is that we send the shit out in the universe, and they create different universes and different worlds, and then it all ends in chaos. I'm like, you know, Phil Tippett, like I, you know, you grew up in a different environment. Like you grew up during like the the Vietnam era, which you know, there, there's a lot of like pulling away the mask, and there's a lot of like you know, um, you know, a lot of what's what's what I'm looking for, like you know there was a lot for you to process and understand that like what we understood is like all well and good is not fair enough. I, I like that's all that that's completely fair. Right. But it's like this level of nihilism. I'm like, you know, Trent Reznor's like, Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Calm down. Calm, calm down. Phil Tippett. Like, can we back it up a second? Like, I don't know if this is the kind of nihilism I need in 2022, but this is where we're at. Dear Lord. This is probably one of the more nihilistic films I've ever seen either. Like it's just, there, there's no good ending. Like, you know what I mean? Like no matter what's going on, even the bit later on, whenever we get to the weird, um, I don't know what do you want to call it? Uh, uh, tumor gopher. You know, I mean, we would call that lumpy, the lumpy mouse man and his little, uh, atrium of like, like that was the one, like the one splash of pure beauty in the movie. It was, it's like, Oh yeah, you like this? We're taking away from you in three seconds. You know, like, Yeah. There's no joy. And, and also like the weird plague doctor thing too, which is beautiful in this film, beautiful, uh, beautiful, wispy, um, like, you know, Neil Gaiman's like, you should come over and hang out with me sometimes. That'd be like, it was a beautiful thing, but you talked about the discordant, like cries of a newborn. I couldn't even enjoy, like, I'm like, Oh, this is a beautiful segment. Can I please keep the screaming baby out of my ears? Like, Every single time I was trying to meet this movie, like halfway of being like, this is a feast. I'm like, I kind of want to, I kind of want to be done with it, but I also kind of feel like that's the point, but I also kind of feel like, did I get it? I don't know. I just, am I, Steve, I'm just asking, am I an idiot? Like, I just, I don't know. I just, dear Lord, this whole thing was very challenging in a good way, but also like, did I get it? Tell me, did I get it? <laughs> I Well, no, you didn't get it. <laughs> You know, and and that's the thing too is is that you know um, we haven't used the term surreal at all talking in, within this discussion. But if you want to chalk it up to you know being a surrealist film, you know that's probably not an unfair characterization. And with that, that type of thing, you're putting an audience member in a place where they they either take away what they get from it or they don't. And I. Yes, it's it's absolutely fair to say that of, of of all films, but I feel like you know with something like this, you have a 
a director making something that like i'm sure it has had is a good idea and and that's not saying again we've already covered it's visually captivating it's unlike anything you're else going to see if for no other reason to watch it it should be for the visuals but i don't know that there's a a clear narrative here and something that really makes sense to the people around him um not around him i'm sorry the audience um but at the same time i was thinking about this earlier today i've said on here before that like i don't consider myself a critic like if you'd asked me 20 years ago when i knew way less than what i know now i'd have been sure yeah i'm a critic let me tell you why this sucks um you know i i look at this and i i can't help but think now that like the reason that it's in my opinion not a movie that works for me is just because i can't relate to it or i can't find a way into the story and yes there is that fear of like am i just dumb and i don't get this i don't know if that's what's at play here i i do feel like this is really an artistic expression that is like it's going to hit with people and isn't going to hit with others and i happen to fall into that category and i feel like so much of film criticism is that thing of like you know uh, and again i don't want to go off on a tangent here but like you know um siskel and ebert were not horror fans you know so they weren't unless there was something specific about a horror movie that they could find a way into I don't think either of them was ever going to give a good recommendation to a horror film. You know, with this, there's probably people out there that like, like, I can't believe that you guys don't see all the meaning behind this. And I, to those people, I say, congratulations. This is clearly a movie that was made for you. And again, I would not discourage anyone from tackling this film or watching this film. Cause I do think that it's an interesting movie uh, to watch. I think it's, 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 it's packed with ideas in it's it's almost like it's so packed with ideas as far as like it's visual style that it's like it's throwing them all up at you on the screen in a way that you're like well deal with it and maybe that's also where my disconnect comes from because i'm just like i'm being hit with so many new ideas in every single frame of this movie except when it does get repetitive that maybe i'm just not buying into that premise so you know i i don't want to i don't want my critique of the film to discourage anyone from watching it but i'll just say that i i wish that phil tippett would have sat down with somebody like a you, you know i was a screenwriter and then i was going to name a name and i'm like i guess it doesn't really matter i i do wonder who was there to tell him like we need to shore up you know what this story is before we go further with it because you have no dialogue communicated to the audience we have nothing here that's going to tell this story other than the visuals you're throwing up on the screen maybe we tighten this up and we find out what the through line is and where this story is actually ending uh as far as what because that's the other thing and i i mean i'm going off topic again I, i'm still on topic but i'm i'm <laughs> i'm i'm spinning my wheels on, on my comments here uh is that i don't know that i understand the point of it other than like it's a mad god and he's creating this thing that becomes this other thing that goes through this other thing and finds its way to this city 
and it's an endless it, no, cycle. You just described the it perfectly. Point, there, you got it. Ding, ding, ding. I'm kidding. No, I'm just um, no. It's like it's one of those things where it's like, I like I I, I want to appreciate an artist's vision. It's all okay. So here, let me let me pull. Like, let me say two things to this. One is. You go to a museum and you look at every, like the, the the physical works of art, and you see everything going on. Especially like what was it the um, impressionists and the expressionists, right? You look at it, you're like, okay, well, this is what I'm getting from it. I don't know where you're coming from with it, but this is a work that you've made, right? And I can appreciate that, and like and meaning like what I get from it. And then like I mentioned, was it a couple weeks ago? I went to the. Um, Oh, um, the craft work show that, uh, uh, you know, in Cleveland, the uh, playoff square. And I, because I wasn't as familiar with craft work and I should have been every one of their songs had like a visual accompaniment. And I just kind of was like, you know what? I'm going to view this as like, this is a work of art and I need to engage with it that way. This is, this is a collaboration between four people. And there's also a bunch of other visual things going on. Let, let me get the feeling from it. But I guess for me, where I get frustrated is that I feel like a painted work or a music and visual representation is different, excuse me, than a film where you have, um, you're making this a commitment for like 90 minutes, 120 minutes or whatever that the, the the contract you're making with the creator and the, the powers that be is that you're going to be taken on a journey that's going to end at a satisfactory conclusion. Because I think film as a language is a little different than you looking at a static image and taking away what you want from it. Or music is a separate journey in like three, five, seven minutes or however long it is, unless you go to the Grateful Dead and then you're going to listen to a song for 18 years or whatever. But like, you know, just let it jam, whatever. But my point is, is like, like it just, I think if you're going to sit down and engage with a movie like this, it's like, I think that you're owed, like, well, I mean, that's not, maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not owed. Like people can challenge me, but like, Sometimes I feel like, oh, we're taking on a journey. Well, great. Is is it worthy? I don't know. Like this, this, like, like this would have been a wonderful film for us, and it still is to talk about. Thank you for mentioning the as a topic during our year of animation because we we were trying to find like different extremes to get into. Um, it just it frustrates me because there's so much here visually. It's like you know you could have like this goes behind the scenes of like you had an idea. Can you talk to somebody that actually be like, Hey buddy, can we make it connect? I just, it's not there. And I, I think that's where we're both at, where it's like, we don't want to completely sandbag it, but we're both frustrated that we followed this journey and it didn't pay off. I th- is that fair? I, I think that's fair. Um, as we wrap this up, the last thing that I'll ask is, is, uh, have you ever read uh, Batman Arkham Asylum? No, I, I've played a couple of those games. I'm kidding. I've never read Arkham Asylum. I played the Arkham Asylum game, which is quite wonderful. Okay. Um, so I've not played the game, but what I know of it, it is, it, it is uh, extremely far away from the original graphic novel from the <laughs> late 80s by Grant, Grant Morrison and Dave McKean. 
Um, and the reason I bring it up is, is Dave McKean uh, is a wonderful, wonderful illustrator. Um, it's a painted book, but uh, I, I don't even know if I should say painted, but it's a multimedia book. It's, it's um, very surreal in a lot of ways, but you also have Grant Morrison, who is a master of handling a lot of different subjects within the context of a traditional comic book story and, and taking them in places where um, normal comics won't go. Um, that's what's kind of missing from Mad God, in my opinion. You, you've got Phil Tippett is, is uh, Dave McKean in this instance where it's like, a wonderful artist who is doing all this unusual work. Um, that's, uh, I don't want to say, uh, um, strays far from the comic book form because it's still a comic book, but like you have two guys who are doing something that's very visually spectacular. What's missing from mad dog, mad God. And I said, mad dog, because now I've got mad dog 2020 in my head. Um, but mad God is, is a, you know, Phil Tippett is missing that Grant Morrison, somebody who's there, who's like, Oh, I'm going to put meaning to these visuals. And, and Phil Tippett, you know, could probably be like, Hey man, I was, I'm making movies uh, when you were, uh, you know, still in elementary school and you loved everything then like, absolutely totally agree um you're just not getting it and that's fine too but to me i feel like it's missing that author or narrative through line somebody who is telling that story that pulls all of that surrealism together and makes a cohesive story yeah no it's there's something there it's like I, I guess it's just like I, there's a difference between like you like leave something up to you to figure out versus um, it, it's very like it's so obtuse, you know, like I don't know, like where, which, which is where I get frustrated with. I, but yeah, anyway, so there is there is gold in these hills for people to watch. Your mileage may vary. It's worthy of one watch. I, I'm glad that I did, and thank you for the recommendation. And also, Phil Tippett needs to be recognized for like what he's done. He, may, I know he's had some uh, Oscar nominations, and he's an uh, amazing visual artist, and that's great. Just, I just, huh? I was wanting more from this, and I think that's where we're coming from. Like with this, it's like, oh, that's interesting. Are you going to pay it off? Nah. You're going to do the whole nebulous like, but the universe knows. And that just kind of makes me mad. <laughs> you know, like it's one of those things where I'm like, oh, 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 it's getting bigger than us. There's a space baby out there somewhere. I don't know. Frustrating. But there's a lot here that I did like. Yeah, I uh, I agree 100%. And that was my nickname in high school, Space Baby. But, uh, <laughs> no, I... <laughs> Yeah, there, there are movies that I have experienced where I'm like, I don't know. I didn't get what I thought I would out of it, but maybe you will. Yeah. Uh, and I will recommend to people. This is one of those films I would say, like, uh, you know, and it's also it's it's only 85 minutes. So, you know, if you're sitting down, you're you're barely even at an hour and a half. You're not at even at an hour and a half, I should say. So uh, the the only risk of, of you. uh Losing time in the sense of like, oh, I wish I hadn't spent an hour and a half doing that is that 
uh, if you don't get out of it what uh, I was going to say what I got out of it, but I just got done saying that I the only thing <laughs> I got out of it was visual, uh, beautiful visuals and spectacles. So uh, if there's if nothing else, at least there's that. Fair enough. All right. Yeah. So like go track it down on Shutter. Like I said, it's worthy of one watch. Um, the, your mileage may vary coming back to it. That's fine. You know, just if you, if you adore it, cool. If you find it challenging and like, in, in the ways that you're like, I'm not connecting right. Fair enough too. But we should celebrate that Phil Tippett had the opportunity to actually complete a vision, um, and brought it across the finish line. So that like, there's that, but that doesn't mean that we have to be, like, I don't know, like we don't have to be the hat, like not happiest, but like, I will always respect somebody who has the ability to actually get, a, get their product out there and the vision they want to tell. And, you know, that's up to us to make the decisions, how we feel about it. That, I think that's completely valid. So that's going to do it for our discussion about Mad God. So yeah. Uh, Steve, are you ready for, um, getting into the social media and then getting into the game? Are we good for this? We good? Yeah, I'm ready. Here we go. You guys can find us on Facebook, the podcast. Uh, we have a Facebook uh, page there. You can check us out there. We have a blog that is Dusty AF. Uh, it is invasionofthepodcast.com. I always keep thinking I'm going to write something, and then I follow my keys during the weekend. And I'm like, but what about video games? But we have plenty of posts there. Um, there's one from, I think, uh, eight, 80 years ago where Steve wrote about all his best been Luke's. You should check that out. Invasion of the podcast.com. Um, I don't know. That's been a while. I like, I also like your speculation about the Friday 13th franchise. That didn't go well. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I appreciate your thoughts on it. It's just that everything else didn't work out. All right. So anyway, uh, you guys can email us directly at invadingpodcastgmail.com. Wherever you find your podcast, rate and review us. If you enjoyed the conversation, let other people know. You're like, you know what? I love hearing Skype drop out every three seconds. You know, that's my favorite podcast. No, but if you enjoyed the conversation, let other people know. Cause like, I, you know, the more the merrier and Steve, how can people find you? I just like to remind you folks that uh, tonight's episode is brought to you by Skype. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, be sure to patronize their wares, if you will. Um, yeah. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram and under the Saturday slasher. You can find me on Twitter under the Saturday Slasher. Our website is the Saturday Slasher.com. Uh, currently, uh, in the the decision has been pretty much made. I'm going to be opening up my own web store. Uh, so right now, it's not for sale on Etsy anymore. I will be probably closing that store shortly. Um, but uh, uh, if you are interested in buying a copy of the Saturday Slasher, please just send me a message on any of those. Uh, things that I mentioned earlier, or even the evasion of the, the podcast, uh, Facebook page. So you can get a hold of me very easy. Uh, if you're listening. Okay. But what about your only fans? I don't have an only fans. Cause I don't, yes. I don't have anybody who's the only fan. Okay. Well, all right. So, all right. That's going to do it for our discussion about, uh, mad God. And actually, you know what? Um, yeah, before we get into, uh, what we're talking about next, we need to celebrate, um, uh, um, national, IPA day. Time to play the game. Time to play the game.
Uh, since Steve has been uh, drinking zombie dust against his will, um, a Thursday as of this recording, um, August 4th, we're releasing this on the 5th. It is National IPA Day. So, Steve, I have to challenge you because you know me. I only make games that are this or that. You need to tell me, is this a real IPA name or a fake IPA name? All right. Well, you know what I, I, I'll say here? I'm just going to say uh, instead of an IPA, uh, how about I just change it to I, IP and I have to pee. <laughs> so let's uh, <laughs> let's stop. All and, right. Uh, all right. We'll come back to the magic of editing. I, 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 pee, this in. I like an IP. Hey, all right. BRB an IP freely. A bunch of IPs. All right. Here we go. So, yeah, it's National IPA Day. So I want to ask you, Steve, uh, like real or fake uh, IPAs? Because I know you love them. Are you ready? Um, I'm here for it, baby. Yeah, hooray. Uh, this has been a train wreck tonight, but here we go. Um, um, Lazy Sunday IPA. That feels real. Somebody watched a uh, uh, Saturday Live and it's like, I'm going to steal that idea. Yeah, it's fake. I made that up. All right. Uh, Modus Hopperandi. That seems too clever. So I'm going to say it's fake. That is real. All right. Wow. So, yeah. It, it had like ska guys on the front. I'm like, don't, don't you do that. That's stupid. Uh, <laughs> Um, all right, cool stash. Can I can I just say real quick? I love it. Ska is like a period of like four or five years in the nineties that is like specifically identified uh, by that. Uh, there there are things that sort of defined by that. That like it's sort of like disco in a way. Like uh, I I just think it's hilarious that uh, you you chose. Sky guys as the uh well, the, no that was the, the label they look like a bunch of sky guys but also i love that you're being very generous with four to five years versus like <laughs> two and three months <laughs> 2.3 months of sky guys that's that's the uh the scientific definition is sky was popular for 2.3 yeah um, it was it was slightly um, more popular than than the revival of swing so Whatever the Brian Setzer Orchestra was popular for, add two months. That was the window. All right, we well, need the, the street cat strut out of this. And, no, no, and, that was the eighties. Uh, that was no, 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 no. That was that's a that's a different time. Like, but yeah, you know, um, what was the name of that? What was that that song from them? It was um, oh, anyway, doesn't matter. I remember the Brian Setzer Orchestra. It was um, uh, no, it was like uh shake stirred and fried that's not the right thing that's not the name of the song um i think you're thinking of a uh chicken campaign but all right yeah no like maybe <laughs> uh jump jam jump jam and something you know whatever it was all right so <laughs> before I, I take us further off topic what was the name and and that i'm uh, making this decision on Oh, I don't know anymore. Jump Jan and Whale was the name of the Brian Setzer uh, <laughs> orchestra. Um, Fake. Yeah. 
right. That, that, no, that was real. All right. So, no, you, you said that uh, Modus Hopperandi was fake, but it was real. You also said that Lazy Sunday IPA was real, but it's fake. So, the next one. So, we got, we got a few more here. So, the next one I'm going to give you is Tricera Hops Double IPA. That's fake. That sounds like a uh, that sounds like a Paul Stedman creation. A, a Paul Stedman jam, if you will. It's real. All right. So, all right. Oh, the other one. I was no, going to be, uh, are sorry. you writing copy for them? No, no. The other one I mentioned to you was Cool Stash. That was the one I mentioned before we got into all that. Ah, uh, well, I'm going to say that one's fake since uh, I've been <laughs> wrong so far. Dear Lord, you're you're wrong. It was cool. That's real. All right. So, all right. Um, here we go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um you wouldn't get it ipa uh, no, i want to say it's fake but now i'm gonna say real oh that's fake oh my goodness um i feel Is like the people, mad god ipa no, i just feel like people that are like all about ipas are like you wouldn't get it you don't have the palate i'm like thank christ i don't you know, cause it's all dandelions. I don't need to, I don't need fresh cut grass drinking it. You know, it's like, I, like, like, do you like, so Steve, did you know there's actually like zero percent alcohol, like IPAs? I'm like, oh, so you get to drink grass, but not get drunk where there's no value added there. Seriously. Like, it's just like you and I will choke down IPAs and be like, well, at least we'll make my brains feel funny. No, but if there's zero alcohol, it's like, oh, good. Gross water. Gross dandelion water. So, anyway, no. <laughs> All right. Yes, that's pretty much how I feel about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, karate chop. All right. That's got to be a Paul Stedman creation. Okay, you're right. That was a real, that was one I made up. I thought that was going to be funny. All right. Um hazy shade of winter i don't know what the get the what what the gag is there i just know that it's a song so i'm gonna say that's real that's fake it's a bangle song and i just thought it'd be funny because there's all these hazy ipas so i I, you know i i got you all right so all right um yelling at clouds (laughs) uh i'm gonna say that's fake that's real all right Um, really yeah wow i thought that was a funny one i I was trying to keep some of the brewery names out because i'm sure there's probably some there thing they're naming but whatever um all right what what, what we got here next it's um hop a right infringement that's terrible i'm gonna say fake real all right, all right. So, okay. oh my God, who, who's naming that beer? And- <laughs> right, that was my whole. I was like, these are all terrible. Like, I, I, I that's the whole thing. It's like none of this makes sense. Um, uh, At right. least Zombie Dust has a cool name and a cool visual. Like, well, ugh. there's also like Alpha King that Three Floyds do, and then there's like like I mentioned to you, Laser Snake. They also did one that's like. Oh, I can't remember the name of it. They they also do an IPA that has like a cool, um, like tank on the front. Oh, they also did one. So they did a Necron one f- that was a call out to Wizards. Um, because remember like the weird robot guy, right? That turned out to be a good guy in Wizards. 
they did a Necron yes. uh, IPA, and I'm like, oh, in hindsight, mm, it's an IPA. It doesn't make me like you anymore, Wizards. But anyway, so yeah, there's another one they did. They actually did with that. So all right, um, let's let Ninja versus Unicorn. That's fake. That's that's. It's real. All right. So all right. <laughs> I'm sorry that you don't have a, what? You, it's real. It's a, <laughs> all right. Uh, the hop apocalypse. I don't even know anymore. I'm going to say fake. <laughs> okay. You're right. It's fake. I, I thought that would be a funny one. All right. Um, <laughs> Second Amendment Double Barrel IPA. That's fake. You made that up. Yeah, it's it's fake. You're right. You're right. <laughs> Apex Predator IPA. Are you trying to tie into what's happening this weekend? Um, I'm going to say fake. That's real. All right. Um, all right. Uh, a Wild Idaho Nights. Sorry, I was thinking. Say it again. Wild Idaho Nights. Wild Idaho Nights. That's so dumb. It sounds real. I'm going to say real. That is real. You're right. So it's so stupid. All right. Um, Shape of Hops to Come. (laughs) That's fake. It's real. All right. Damn it. I like that you're so you were so like like yeah that's not right I'm like yeah it was definitely that was definitely where we're going with that uh, all right uh, hip hops mixtape I actually like that name so it's probably fake oh it's fake okay right all right what do we got here a couple more um, tastes like flowers and shit. <laughs> I'm going to say that's a meme you came up with. I'm yeah, I did. That's fake. <laughs> My whole goal was to make you laugh because IPAs taste like flowers and shit. All right. All right. A couple more here. Um, personality substitute IPA. <laughs> that's you again. That's fake. <laughs> I, I despise that you understand me so much. Okay, fine, fine. All right. <laughs> Two more. Uh, hop to the future. That's terrible. I'm going to say it's real. That's fake. All right. Last one we have here is corporate water. <laughs> That's real. I'm going to say that is real. All right. Bye. You know, you you redeemed yourself in the second half there. So uh, I just like that you called me out for karate chop. You know, that's not far off. <laughs> yeah. I but, get it right every, like, uh, I don't know, eight questions. So. But personality substitutes, like, oh, I love IPAs. I'm like, cool. I don't want to talk to you. Anyway, so. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right so there you go that's our celebration of uh national ipa day um that's gonna do it for us this week um next week um we're taking the week off because we are going to go on um uh talk without rhythm with uh the host the el goro 
Um, we're going to be talking about the Hulu exclusive. Uh, was it Dan Trachtenberg? I think he's the guy directing the film. Um, there is a new Predator film coming out, uh, released as of Friday. It's going to be available by the time this episode goes live. It's called Prey. Um, we're, it's going to be Steve, myself, uh, the Algoro. Um, I love that. Like, I, I like the, the Goro and, uh, Terry that we had on recently, uh, we're talking about Christine. So it's going to be the four of us, uh, talking about prey. Can't wait to get to that. It's going to be, um, we'll post it on our Facebook. Um, it's gonna be a lot of fun. We're taking a week off after that because, um, yeah, we're busy dudes. And it's going to be a lot. It's going to be a lot of fun. But then the week after, because also, let's mention here, we're going to go to Steel City Con uh, in like a week and a half. We're both going to meet John Carpenter. And it's going to be amazing. We're going to be like, sir, can you just like just rub a cigarette on our forehead? I don't know what that means. But anyway, we're going to meet we're going to meet the man, the myth, the legend uh, we've been talking about uh, for Carpenter. Um, and it's going to be a fun conversation when we get back from that. But so we're going to take a week off talking about Hulu's prey. We'll, we will, um, we'll post that episode when it is active on our Facebook, uh, feed. And then also, um, we're going to get into big trouble, little China that it's going to be the week after it's going to be a year of carpenter after we meet carpenter. It's going to be a lot of fun. This is going to be a fun two weeks. It's going to be uh, so much going on. I can't wait for it. It's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm looking forward to, to talking more predator. Uh, we talked about predator two last year during the year of the sequel with El Goro. And um, I'm looking forward to diving into another film. Uh, and clearly it's going to be, you know, um, uh, and I can't speak for Terry, but I think between the two of us, uh, El Goro clearly knows probably way more about the Predator franchise than either of us does. So it's going to be a fun discussion. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. So in the meantime, everybody have a good week, have a safe week. And, um, I don't know, um, watch mad God, but also feel okay if you don't quite get it. Cause it's, I don't know. <laughs> it is what it is. This was, um, uh, it was a bag of crazy cats, Steve, take it away. Uh, if you have a worm maggoty thing uh, in your story, chances are it's just going to be pulverized. So uh, that's the only thing I think it's good for. 